Hello, and welcome to How to Win in Court Without a Liar. Um, Dave Horowitz. I hope everybody is going to be speaking. And uh, take the word social and uh, the definition of our society. Two or more individuals that voluntarily agree to work together toward a cause. If you think about that, most most people in society think that they're a party or part of society. We've been led to believe our whole life that we're a society and you know, uh, civilization and uh, community. Uh, these are collective terms and uh, they're thrown about all over the place. And uh, the interesting thing is is that uh, it's a contract. It is a contract. Two or more individual or one or more, uh, sorry, two or more individuals who mutually volunteer and consent to be a party to a contract to accomplish a certain goal. So if that is the basis of society, um, and most folks believe that they're a party or a part of society, then they're voluntarily uh, acquiescing or, or agreeing to uh, be a part of that society and no matter what its rules, uh, no matter what it does. Uh, bear with me, my throat's been a little sore. <coughs> I've been on the phone a lot. Um, but most people believe that they're a part of this just because they're, you know, they live in a community or they live somewhere where uh, there's courts. And from a legal standpoint, uh, <laughs> got a little story about uh, one of the last times I was in court. And three prosecutors um, used the case the third prosecutor, and uh, she was just recently out of two weeks on the job as a prosecutor with me. And basically, we went into court, and there she was, and another new person. So I, I asked to speak to her out in the hallway, and she agreed, and we went out in the hallway, and I asked her, uh, I said, what is the state trying to accomplish here? You know, we, you know, $1,700, you know, came down to money as always. And uh, I said, well, you know, thing. Um, I said, what makes you think that the laws of Montana and the laws, uh, you know, the Constitution of Montana or even the pertain to me in any way? And uh, it dropped my jaw to the floor when she told me the social contract. <laughs> and I asked her... Uh, I needed her, and she needed to bring in a copy of my way agreeing uh, to those rules. And uh, this was literally a couple of days before a trial was supposed to. Um, there was a few other things that were... And I asked her if she was a licensed... 
I need a computer to watch. For this specific case, and I need a copy of your license. And she said, well, I don't exactly have a license. She said, I have a letter from the Attorney General. I said, no, that's not a license. Um, you said that you're licensed. Uh, she says, I have a bar card. I said, well, that's like having a gym membership. Uh, it's a private legal association. Um, you know, like the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Elks Lodge or something like that. It's a and between those three things that I asked and evidence of the uh, this this was after the so you know it blew my mind that she would even have said the so. that there's this uh, social contract that, you know, binds everybody. You know, at least, uh, uh, at least 300 years, way more than that. Uh, the 15th, 16th, 17th centuries, you know, they were talking about, and these were philosophers, not lawyers, talking about a social contract and what. And it's. Something that is, you know, uh, if, if you look at uh, science, science, uh, you know, they, they make a theory. We did it in investigations. I was an investigator for eight years. And, uh, you know, when, when a crime is committed, you think, uh, you theorize uh, as to what may have happened, okay? And then you start to chisel away to find the truth of what happened. You know, theories are good in that, uh, you know, they help you to come to a conclusion eventually, okay? But usually it's not what you started off with. <laughs> it's a case and a theory. You know, I, I thought that this person did this, because of this, that, and the other, you know. So, I, you know, it was a energy at best. And... Uh, you know, but it's not a fact. It's not material evidence, and it definitely uh, no case should be won on a theory. Okay, uh, it's an investigative tool to uh, conclusions uh, and to find the truth or facts in the matter. So, if, if society can and for me, one of the one of the biggest decisions that are made, uh, and this goes uh, legal fictions, all fictions, 
are that fictions that are and presumptions in law, and they have to be rebutted. Otherwise, it's going to stand. If 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 somebody says, you know, you're John Doe, and you know you're not John, say anything. Well, they're going to assume that you're John Doe, and you're going to take fall for Doe. And you know, uh, an unrebutted assumption stands, just like an unrebutted affidavit will stand as a fact in the case. It becomes evidence, and it's not good evidence if it's uh, you know if they're assuming things about our contract. That's huge. Um, underpinning of the entire legal system, they're assuming that they have authority to rule over you based on uh, a theory that says that, that uh, you know, that, that you're bound to a social contract and, you know, uh, for, in exchange for protection and, uh, you know, the millions of benefits that they, they've put together, um, that, that you are now bound to them uh, to follow their rules. You know, so it's it's something that is an assumption and has to be rebutted. Uh, observed in the natural world, and it holds true every time it's tested. Uh, the law of gravity it doesn't change. You know, laws aren't arbitrary. Statutes are arbitrary, and they pertain to people who signed the contract. A contract. There has to be a contract between the parties in order for there to you know for somebody to assert jurisdiction or authority over somebody else it has to be an agreement uh, a mutual agreement a voluntarily uh, so if there is there can be no jurisdiction and this the prosecutor when she said that it was contract that um laws of Montana, the statutes, and, you know, uh, all pertain, you know, that, that bound me to be uh, subjected to the no, uh, no, um, I wasn't a party to making, you know, I, I wasn't there making up these rules. So, and it's the same with the Constitution, nobody living was there making up um, you know, the Constitution. Nobody living is a party to that. And and, and even at best, uh, it was, it, a Constitution is, is, is a, it was binding to the parties, but to nobody else. Nobody has a right, unless they have power of attorney or represent you, um, to make up rules for you or, you know, tell you, you know, how to handle your finances or, fi or handle them for you. Um, nobody can make up rules for you. Well, I mean, if you're a child, uh, your parents can make up rules until you reach the age of consent, uh, and that's different uh, in different cultures. In different cultures, you know. So here in this melting pot of, of the United States, and it's not just here; it's it's uh, the entire EU. Have somebody Tom. on the line? Who's here? Yes, Tom. Hey, Tom, hey, how you going? Pretty good. good. Pretty good. 
Oh, yeah, just my bad. Uh, pretty low, but uh, I I can talk for a second. It it does it say at the beginning of the recording there's like charges or something? I, I wasn't sure. What's that? It, it it asked at the beginning of the recording. It asked you may incur some charges from your service provider. I was like, okay. No, no, that's uh, if, if you're not. It's it's no. It, it, there's no there's no charges. <laughs> oh, there's oh, no, okay. I, no, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. No, no such thing anymore as long distance. Pretty much everything oh, is covered unless you're not a country. But um, are, are you are you live right now? Yeah, I'm recording now, and uh, we're we're discussing. I I may not be able to talk. That's okay. Uh, I, I may not be able to talk too long. My phone battery's kind of low. But um, I did want to talk to you about the trust, if if you want to discuss them, you know, like setting up a trust so you can run a business. I think we discussed that um, a while back. Yeah, I, I know we spoke about that before. Uh, for the next 45 minutes or so, I'm going to be discussing social contracts. Um, and then I'm going to have somebody on the show. Uh, a guest, and then uh, between seven and eight, I can discuss these types of issues. That wouldn't be a problem, but I didn't want to get off topic. Oh um, no, no, stay on topic. Yeah, that that way it's not all over the place. Um, yeah. Can, can I listen to it afterwards, or? I, yeah, um, absolutely. I, I'll I'll be I'll be uh, posting a recording of it. Okay, sounds great. Hey, thank you, David. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for joining in. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. So, uh, back to back to social contracts. Um, when when they assume that there is a contract between uh, the state and uh, an individual party and whether that be your legal person or uh, or you as a man or woman. Uh, now, it's automatically assumed if you've got licenses and uh, registrations and a birth certificate, um, it's implied that you are going to take benefits and therefore your legal person um, the, the the birth certificate that created the identity uh, with your name, which is basically the public trust, um, the uh, societal trust, okay, the public. Um, it's it's implied that you are going to be subjected to their administrative rules uh, as a party of you know when they say we the people they're saying everybody's involved so it's everybody. And it's implied uh, that we, the people, make the the rules, uh, the laws, via uh, usually corrupt representatives that that literally do not have any power of attorney. That's an assumption as well. Um, so you utilizing their representation of you are making rules and 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 spending money um, that they take from you in taxes and. Uh, make budgets for things to spend on and do all of these things uh, implied and assumed that you agreed to this. 
uh, you're here in this country. I've heard it. Uh, police officers, well, you're on the road, so that means you agreed to abide by the rules of the road. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's an assumption. They're, they're assuming that you agreed to the rules, and you have to rebut that resumption, uh, those assumptions and presumptions in order to win your court case, especially, and, and it's, it's when the state versus you or your legal person, um, they, they have no uh, contract. There is no contract. So if you call them on this social, you know, what are you basing uh, this presumption on that the laws pertain to, to me? And if you ask that, you know, they're going to answer. They have to answer, you know, because if they don't pertain to you, then they have no jurisdiction. So they, it's, it, it's an element uh, of the case. It, it comes down to jurisdiction. It's a way to challenge jurisdiction. Okay, their authority over you. What actually gives them that authority? And this lawyer, fresh out of law school, is say is claiming that it is the social contract. Well, if that's the case across the board, then uh, there must be this massive document with 400 plus million names on it. Um, and and you have every right to demand to see that document if they're claiming that you are a party to it. Uh, it will not be provided because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Again, this is indoctrination. This is things that you've been told over and over. You're a part of society, so you need to listen to the rules. You need to get a permit at 16 or 15, whatever your state laws are, your state statutes. They're not laws because they change. Uh, laws cannot be arbitrary. Uh, they are fixed. <laughs> If it's all, you know, uh, you know, thou shalt do not murder. Okay, that's that's a, a pretty standard natural law. It's been around. It's probably one of the longest uh, holding laws <laughs> on, on, on uh, the written record. Okay, go back to the Bible. Look at the Ten Commandments. Those were laws. Okay, they weren't changeable. They were set in stone this is this that was the point so when you go in and and uh you know uh the state gives you permission to go and kill or or, or you know uh not in self-defense but in a uh offensive manner uh war and things like that basically they're they're changing the rules to fit their their needs at the time which is arbitrary and again, that is not law. Those are statutes. They're rules. They're, they can be changed at any time. Uh, a corporation can change its bylaws. Uh, if you've ever looked at, uh, uh, if you got an email from PayPal or Google or, uh, you know, eBay or any of these companies out there with their uh, their bylaws and their rules on their website, every once in a while they just change them arbitrarily. Your bank does it all the time. You know, we're changing uh, the interest rates or uh, – but they'll send you a notice, and, and once you get notice, uh, now they change the contract, and you've already signed off on it, but you've given them permission in the original contract to do so whenever they feel like it. doesn't mean you have to stay with the contract. 
So, uh, you know, this, this social contract, anytime you go into a court and it's statutes, there has to be some sort of a contractual relationship between the parties. Who are you to me? Ask the judge, who are you to me? Uh, you know, they'll say, well, I'm your judge. Ask, ask the prosecutor, you know. Uh, who are you to me? Did I did I violate your rights? Why are you bringing this case against me? You know, and when it's the state, uh, you know, they they are uh, bringing a case against you because you sinned against the decrees of the politicians of the state. And when you go and you do that, oh, well, there's a syntax. That's what the charge is. Okay, so when you go and and uh, you violate some you know rule where there's no victim there's no the other party isn't a, isn't a legitimate victim they're a fiction the state is a fiction it's only a, it's only exists on paper and the people that believe that uh, it exists uh, we're taught our whole lives that oh no no the government's real well yeah sure the people are real okay but the premise that they're built on is not necessarily legitimate Okay, the same with this social contract. Social contract is nothing more than a philosophical theory. Um, and they are, they in, meaning the courts, are making a fortune. Okay, well, I should say they are stealing a fortune in fraud because they're, if they're claiming that you're, you know, you're subject to the rules because of a social contract that does not exist, well, isn't that fraud? Okay, they're telling you that something exists that doesn't exist for financial gain. That's fraud. That's the epitome of fraud. So, you know, why not ask? Hey, what what makes you think that these rules and laws apply to me? Can you show me the evidence of that? And what you're really doing is asking them, you know, where are you getting your authority? And if you know, and if <laughs> this this lawyer amazingly told me the truth, you know, and, and, you know, she was a little naive because she was uh, brand new to this, but that's what they taught her to say. That, I mean, that's what they taught her in school, so why wouldn't she say it, you know? Well, it's a social contract. Fantastic. Bring me a copy and put it into evidence. I want to see my name on the evidence because if that's what gives you the authority to bring these charges against me, uh, claiming that I owe a debt to society, then... You need to prove that by a contract that I agreed to those terms. Otherwise, there's no case, and you're bringing a false accusation. Now you're lying. You you committed fraud on the court, fraud on the case, and and uh, should be prosecuted yourself. You know this happens every day, thousands. <coughs> Excuse me. Thousands and thousands of people every day are brought into courts and subjected to these rules that they never agreed to, never agreed to. Um, you know, and if I didn't agree to something, then why should I be held responsible for it? And, you know, most people don't think that way. They just say, oh, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, go with the flow. And they do to their own detriment, and they usually pay thousands of dollars. You know, I only had to pay a $500 fine. Well, how many hours did you have to work to pay that fine? That's slavery. <laughs> the, 
that that that's that's not uh, uh, mutual consideration. That's that's not uh, consensual because it was done by force. If you don't do it, you know, at that point you've already agreed. Uh, you've probably signed documents, but you never question their authority. You know that you just assume because uh, you know it's the way it's always been. Uh, it's what you were told. It's 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 you know what you learned growing up. Oh, you know they have authority to do this, that, and the other. Well, you know, do they have it just because they say they have it, or or because you know you agreed to those terms? And that's what they are assuming. They're assuming, uh, implying that you have agreed to those terms. And uh, you know that makes a lot of the cases that go through the docket every single day fraudulent. Fraudulent. You were defrauded. You were, uh, you know, conned into believing that these laws apply to you. You know, and if they if they apply, they have to prove it, and they have to prove jurisdiction over the person in personam jurisdiction. You know, they can have jurisdiction over the subject matter. You know, uh, well, the subject matter is the statute that they're trying to charge you with. They'll say. Well, we have this statute, and uh, you know, uh, you were pulled over on one of the streets in this city by a city police officer, and you know, the subject matter is the statute, okay, which they can't prove pertains to you. I mean, if, if do the statutes apply to me, and how do they apply to me? Uh, can you please prove that? And you're asking, you're basically questioning if they, you know, you're questioning their jurisdiction over you not over the subject matter. Yeah, I don't care, you know, I don't care if you have a statute. You guys can contemplate those statutes all day long until, you know, to your heart's content. But that doesn't mean that they pertain to me. So if they pertain to me, then I'm sure that somehow you could prove that there is, uh, you know, that there's evidence somewhere uh, proving what you're telling me that I am subject to. And nobody ever calls them on that. You know, they'll go through the motions and say, you know, you're trying to fight something. Well, I was only going, you know, and, and the best you're going to do is do a plea deal, pay them and get out of there. You know, but if, you know, when, when your lawyer pleads you out, uh, you know, they know. These lawyers know. Your defense lawyer who's who's uh, charging you, you know, three grand, five grand to fight for you, he's not fighting for you. They're, you know, they're they're trying to figure out a way to, you know, the faster they can move this case, the next, you know, the faster they can get another, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, they can get another client to pay them, uh, you know, to do the same thing. They're pleading you out. They're pleading you down the, the the river, and they're not fighting for you. You're hiring them to fight for you uh, and, 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 you know, do the right thing. Well, when when you're paying them to fight and they're pleading, Pleading is begging, and no different whether you do it or the lawyer does it, okay? If you're going to plea with them, you're begging. Look up the word plea. It's to beg. And, you know, applying is to beg. So, you know, why why are you begging somebody for something? Mercy, uh, leniency, these are the things that they're, they're asking you to beg them for when you go in and, and you're asked to plea. Well, why not? Why not question, you know, 
what gives them the authority over you to, you know, to force you to be subjection, you know, in subjection to them or subjected to their rules? And if you weren't a party in making those rules, do they really apply to you? Who other than them says that it applies to you? Anyway, uh, I'm going to take a break for a minute, and I hope you stick with me, and, and uh, hopefully you're going to have a, a guest on here at 6 o'clock, uh, Edward, and we had a great conversation last night. I think you're going to enjoy his uh, his way of, of dealing uh, with the law. Uh, he's been studying the law for 25 years and uh, knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. <laughs> But uh, he'll be coming on hopefully around 6 o'clock, and uh, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thanks for joining me here on How to Win in Court. I'm Dave Horowitz. Welcome back to How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Horowitz, and I'm your host. Um, today we're talking a bit about uh, society, social contracts, um, contracts. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about contracts, maybe we should talk about what a valid contract is. A uh, valid contract is... Uh, 
mutually agreed on voluntarily without coercion, uh, not by force by either party. It's a voluntary agreement uh, with mutual uh, consideration. Uh, both parties get something out of it. Contracts are usually a win-win if they're done voluntarily. Uh, even though a lot of people sign contracts uh, because they don't read them, that are uh, a win-lose. <laughs> and um, a social contract would definitely be considered a, a win-lose. You got somebody here on the on the line. Yeah, this is Linda. Hi, Linda. How you doing today? Hi, I didn't realize it was after 7. I meant to, uh, you know, call in at 7, but missed it by a little bit. Oh, you're in, where, where are you located? I'm in Virginia. Uh, East Coast, okay. Yeah, it's only 5.30 here, so still in the first hour of the show. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, it's where, what time is it where you are? 5.30. Yeah, I'm, and this is mountain time. Yes, this is mountain time. It's 5.30 here. Oh, so it, the show hasn't started or? No, I'm about a half hour into the first, uh, you know, into the first segment of the show. I'm just talking about uh, social contract theory, social contracts, contracts, society, um, you know, uh, that it is a presumption and an assumption by the court uh, that's implied that uh, everybody is bound to uh, being subjected to the laws based on uh, nothing more than social contract theory. Um, so that's, that's what the discussion is going on. <laughs> okay, I don't know that I know about social contracts. Well, a social contract is basically... Um, well, the theory is is that uh, you know because you know government uh, is is needed for the protection of the people and their rights. Okay. Right. And right. the opposite side of that contract is that people owe their allegiance and are subject to you know subject to the laws that that government creates. Uh, in exchange for that protection, okay? okay. And uh, it's implied that, you know, if you're utilizing, like, the roads, that uh, you're subject to the traffic laws. Um, that's an implied thing. It's not an actual thing. Um, it's not a fact. It's a theory. And it's all based on this theory of, uh, of a social contract, that there's this... Uh, unwritten contract, I guess, that binds everybody to these rules. And uh, when I when I tested this in court, it was, it was you know, I asked, uh, it was in one of my last cases in court, I was telling the story that uh, I, it was the third prosecutor that they had assigned to the case. It's, it was over two years long. And this prosecutor was fresh out of law school and only a prosecutor for two weeks when they assigned her my case. Oh, and when I went into the courtroom and, you know, saw that there was a new prosecutor there, I asked to speak to her in the, in the hallway. And, and I asked her, you know, at this point, what is the state trying to get from me? 
and basically it was you know seventeen hundred dollars uh money and uh and I asked her i said uh you know what is it what is it that makes you think that the laws of the state of montana the statutes the codes the acts uh the constitution of the state of montana or the u.s constitution for that matter what makes you think that that pertain they pertain to me or that i'm a party to any of that and uh it it, it just uh it was amazing because she actually told the truth she said well it's social contract and i said to her fantastic i need a copy of it with my signature on it for in the evidence for the case and uh <laughs> along with her her non-existent license to practice law in the state of montana because there is no law that requires uh there is no licensing for attorneys and so you know, I asked her for things that I knew she wasn't going to be able to provide, but I didn't expect her to turn around and say uh, that it was a social contract that bound me to, you know, to their rules. <laughs> but when she well, said that, I you just, know, yeah. <laughs> they generally just treat all that with disregard, you know, that do what they want to do. I, is my experience. <laughs> I'm surprised you got to say anything in court. You usually don't get to say anything, you know. Well, uh, you have to – they don't listen to anything but a belligerent claimant, okay? And if you Google belligerent claimant, you'll see it's somebody who's willing to continue fighting for their position, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, to push the issue, to draw out the facts, in, in, of a matter so when you're you know it, everything that they're doing when they bring you into that courtroom is based on fiction they don't right. like facts they do not like facts because you know that that shines light on the fiction and the fiction disappears just like the social contract when I told her I said I need a copy of it um, you know with my signature on it if you're saying that I'm liable to follow your rules then show me where I signed this social contract. Um, she did drop mm-hmm. the case two days before the trial, which was that, which was literally two days after we spoke. Um, okay. We well, were supposed you... to go to. Yeah, we were supposed to go to trial. So, basically, it I called like you her. Sounds like you prevailed. You know. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely, because they don't <laughs> want you to ask those questions in front of a jury. Because then they oh, look stupid. Not only the jury, but the rest of the courtroom. They don't want anybody else to know this stuff either. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and it's a, it really is that simple. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's actually a good aspect that I kind of maybe never thought about. Um, what you're talking about, belligerent, you know, and everything. And if you say uh, the stuff, the kind of stuff that you're saying, yeah, they don't want anybody to hear that, you know. So they might try to either dismiss it or settle with you or, uh, you know. I mean, this works when you're dealing with the state as, as the, you know, as the plaintiff. You're talking about a fiction coming after, actually another fiction, because usually when they bring you into that court, they're looking for the juristic person or a legal person. And if you look up the 
definition of a legal person. It is somebody, you know, a person is somebody who can be sued or bring suit in court. And they they give you a few options. It, it can be um, an individual. It can be an entity, a trust, a corporation, a partnership. These are all considered persons, juristic persons. And, you know, as a private individual uh, who does have a birth certificate because my, my, you know, my parents registered me when I was a child, uh, that registration was a, was a trust. They created a trust between, you know, a public trust between uh, them and the state, the government. Giving I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's giving the government legal title, and I have, you know, you would have equitable title. So you've got the right to to use your equitable title, you know, to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But they have legal title, which means that they can make up rules for you and decide what you can and can't do and punish you should you, you know, uh, not do those things. That's legal title, you know, uh, which is ownership. It is ownership. The two titles together would be, you know, uh, legal title and equitable title would be considered a lodial title if you had both of those. But, you know, most people don't realize that they are party to this public trust, uh, not by their own doing or by their own consent, but by their parents. You were never a party to it. You're just, you know... Uh, you were named as a beneficiary, and they created this legal person, this legal uh, juristic person who can and can't sue. So when you go into court, uh, as you as a woman or a man goes into court, you're bringing a claim against either a legal fiction or uh, another individual uh, or group of them. And your claim, you have standing. Uh, a legal fiction has no standing in a courtroom, okay? They, they, they can bring accusations, they can complain, okay? Which is why they call it a complaint when the state issues against you. It's a complaint. Somebody's complaining they didn't like what you were doing and they're going to punish you for it or try to. <laughs> but the legal fiction, that legal person, your legal person or what they're calling a legal person, was created, which is the accumulation of all your registrations, uh, licenses, and your birth certificate, which created all of them. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking, because I was raised initially Catholic, and um, mm-hmm. you get to the what they call the age of knowing, and then they, uh, you know, go through this ceremony or whatever. But at least sure, they the wait until... Consent, the same uh, with, yeah. with the, in, in Judaism, the bar and bat mitzvah at 13. At least they wait until you're at a certain age, whereas what you're talking about, it's done at birth. And that shouldn't happen, you know. You should, uh, you know... Have a choice. Be able to, yeah, you should be able to reach a, a, a point of being able to comprehend all this and then either consent to it or not consent to it, you know. Absolutely. Informed decision to be able to know everything that you're signing up for. And in this country, you know, I've asked, you know, 60 and 70-year-old men, what, what is it, you know, 
when you when you're in school and and they tell you all throughout your life that when you turn 18 you've got to do something and uh you know they tell you you've got to sign up for the draft selective service 18 which is the age of consent across the board federally age of consent would be 18 okay which is also the time that you can consent or not consent to being a part to their you know uh what they do but they get you um, to sign away they they've told you your whole life you have to sign away basically your rights on that selective service document now you're basically signing over your rights uh for the duration until you decide to reclaim those rights let me back up a little bit you've mentioned a lodial title so there's yes. equitable title equitable title and a lodial title no, there's I, legal I believe, title. I believe, a, I believe a lodial title is property. Am I right there? Well, a lodial no. title means there's no split in the title. Okay? Title, no you have two parts to a title, okay? You've got legal title, you've got legal title, and equitable title. Okay? Equitable means that you have the use of something, Okay? Basically, you're considered a trustee, but you do not have legal title, which is the, um, it would be considered the stronger claim, okay? So if you, you have legal it. title, you, you own it. You right? own it, exactly. So if you have legal title and, and equitable title combined, now that would be a lodial title, which there is no higher claim, okay? Oh. I have a lodial title to myself if nothing else, okay? <laughs> you know, but they're claiming legal title over you, and it is because of the birth certificate. The birth certificate, every time you have a certificate, it is certifying that something exists, okay? But it is not the thing that exists. It's what just a certification that it does exist. What are some examples of legal title? I know you're giving me one right there, but what, what are some okay. others? When you go and you register your vehicle, okay, you are oh, okay. Guarant- you're, you're entering as the guarantor or the grantor, I should say, the grantor of the trust. You're granting them title, okay, into the trust. You're granting that property into the trust, Okay that point if you're registering it with the state you're granting it to the state okay uh, granting your vehicle to, grant yes you're granting your vehicle your property you're giving it to the public trust mm-hmm. okay now they give you certificate of title meaning that there is a title they're holding it okay they're holding it because title means ownership they're, they're holding on to legal title and they're giving you equitable title. You can use it, but you've got to pay taxes on it each year and register it and pay the fees and fine, you know. And then you've also got to follow all these rules of the road, you know, the DMV. This is where, this is where people say you don't really own your own it, right? And, and you don't. The second you register something with the government, you're registering it with the public trust. You're granting it to the public trust. So you're giving it to them. And in exchange, not only that, you're, you're paying to give it to them. And then you're going to pay every year 
uh, and forever because they are holding legal title. Legal title is when that uh, they can make up rules for what you can and can't do with your property because you granted it to them. Okay, you brought your private property into the public domain, and 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 basically gave it to the public trust. They allow you to use it now because they hold the title and you gave it to them. Okay. Voluntarily. Supposedly. Well, I'll, have to listen, because, I'll have to listen to this again, but I, I get the general, yeah, I get the general idea. Um, yeah, but so, if you don't do, if you don't do what they want you to do, don't you end up going to jail or something? No, uh, not if you know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, yes, I, 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 I've been, you know, um, for for the last, oh, I don't know, five, six years, um, my vehicles, uh, you know, my, my property, uh, my private conveyances, I put on the back and where a license plate would normally go, private property, no trespassing. And I've, that's my point. I've read about <laughs> I read about another man who did that, um, you know. But I I believe he has spent some time in jail, you know. Um, oh, I, I was arrested. I, actually, I wasn't arrested. There's a video on on YouTube. Uh, it's about an hour long. Um, my son was arrested, and they took the vehicle. And I called up the you know the state police called the, you know, a tow, tow company, local tow company, and they came out and took the vehicle off the highway. Well, I called the tow company and said, you know, that, you know, that pro- that's my property. It's owned in trust, and the state is not party to that trust. They do not have ownership. They do not have legal title to that property. So how, how could some, that's like me trying to say, uh, I don't like the color of my neighbor's car, so I call a tow company and have it towed out of there. Okay, um, and and then you know they have to go and pay to have their you know have their vehicle taken back. So I call you know when I when I talked to the owner of this company, I told them I says uh, right now you're in possession of stolen property because unless they had legal title to the property, then they couldn't uh, you know order services to be done against that property. Oh yeah, they them, have so. all those. They have all those codes and statutes and everything that say they can, don't they? Sure, but again, that goes back to the social contract. Where am I a party to this? I'm a private party. I have nothing to do with their codes and statutes. They don't pertain to me. I'm not a part of their society. I did not agree willingly to anything. A society has to have consent between the parties to do something that's mutually beneficial. There's nothing mutually beneficial about taking and stealing my property and then charging me to get it back, holding it ransom. And the only way that they can legally, and I say legally by statute, do that is because they are actually holding legal title to the vehicle. You have equitable. You have a certificate that that title exists. And until you go and get that back from the state and put it in your own trust, the trust is who licenses you to, to use it as the trustee. And there is a private, you can set up a private trust and put your vehicle in trust and you, you, you can be licensed by your trust, that trust to, you know, you have permission of the trust to use the trust property. That's all licensing is nothing more than permission. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. How could I charge? How could somebody charge you? Okay. Uh, permission to use something that you uh, are the owner of. Right. If you own the vehicle, could they charge you to use it? They do. <laughs> they they do, and it's because most people don't realize what it is they're doing. And most people just voluntarily pay it every time. Nobody questions it. And that's so why I'm, they I'm keep gonna, going the way I'm, they're going. <laughs> I'm I'm going to buy a vehicle soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what would – I know the normal way to do it, you know. I should do something different or um, – I no. don't know that I know – I don't know that I know enough yet to – Well, this is where I would say there's a um, – there's a guy over in, in Oregon, uh, <laughs> goes by Paul Revere, and he's a pastor. Uh, and I believe it's kingdomofheaven.com or uh, Embassy of Heaven, something like that. And they have license plates and driver's license and, and a registry, okay? And it's private trust, and they okay. set it up. You know, and they give you license plates and all these things. And they did have problems. And, and you know, you, it's not like you you won't have problems because the government doesn't like to give up its slaves or their income. Especially, okay? can you imagine, I'm in, I'm 20 minutes from, 20 minutes from Washington, D.C. Oh, well. Can you, can, can you imagine me driving around? <laughs> Are you, you in, in Washington D.C.? Are you a, 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 no, I'm, a resident I'm in of sub- Washington D.C.? I'm in Virginia, but okay. you know how it is. There's three states right around Maryland, Virginia, and yep. District of Columbia. I used to, I used to do there. a lot of uh, a lot of business down that way years ago. I'm from New York originally, so yeah, I, I know so, right where you're at. So everything's <laughs> real close. It's it's basically the Washington D.C. metro area, is what yep. they what they call it, you know, so, but, you know, 20 minutes, I could be in Washington, D.C. Sure, so, so I, literally, you, you are Can you foreign. just imagine <laughs> if I try to drive a vehicle around that says, um, that has no license plates? Uh, now, I do see vehicles that say farm use only. I do see them once in a while. I don't even well, see them I'm much a farm use vehicle, yeah, a lot of people don't know about that either. A farm use vehicle is exempt. And, uh, you know, from a lot of different things and can be used, I believe, in some, like here, a farm vehicle can be used, I think, up to 50 miles from yeah. where, it's, where it's registered to. I don't, uh, I don't see any them issues. too much. I used to see them all the time, but I don't, I don't see them too much anymore either. No, it's because they're um, getting rid of the farms. <laughs> I, do, I do have a situation I could talk about, which um, is a fine example of, what you're talking about, I guess. Sure. But, um, okay, so um, I have a friend, and um, one day he was. I'm just going to make a try to make a short story. Okay, he left his sure. house like he has has for many years. He he lives off a parkway, a four lane parkway, and so he left his house. He went to the light and turned left like he like he has for many years. And um, he turned left and got onto the parkway. And he typically would be on the parkway for like a half a mile. 
and then he would turn right and go on into the business area, you know. So um, this day he turns he turns left at the light, and four tenths of a mile after he's on the parkway, a policeman stops him, and she pulls him pulls him over, and uh, she doesn't cite him. Uh, but she said she was going to call it into the DMV. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's proof right there know. that they're working for oh, an agency or administrative agency and not being oh, a policeman. Just wait. Um, <laughs> so a few days later, he gets a notice from the DMV that they're suspending his license. So we didn't know, you know, what what to do, really. And uh, so I helped him call the DMV, and we were asking what in the world is going on. And they said, um, they said the officer uh, faxed them a report. And in this report, she basically says, she really gave conflicting statements, but the one thing she said was um, that he was driving slow and that he was slightly incoherent so those were the two big things well my friend has a speech he has a speech impediment if you don't know him sure have you ever watched have you ever watched you know the character on king of the hill who kind of slurs his well i've only watched that a couple times you seem a little slow sure yeah he kind of slurs his words so that's that's it you know i can understand him perfectly but people that have just met him really can't understand him too well so, um, you know, but, oh, I should back up. She didn't do, she didn't do any tests on him. She um, didn't cite him. She didn't cite him. She didn't give him a ticket. Which is, which is bad because he has no way to fight it, you know. Uh, we of course that he does. Out. No, of course well, he's got a way to well, fight Well, let me just say, in court anyway, you know. It, we in court. It's not like getting, it's not like getting a ticket. And then you can go to court and fight the ticket. He has nothing that calls him to court. It's the DMV right. that's suspending his license. So, Which is always who wanna, suspends the license, even if you go I to court. Wanna, I just want to tell you the last of this. So, um, hmm. so I said, well, can we get a copy of that report? No, that's state's evidence. We can't give that to you. And so it was uh, literally about six months he filed, he he ended up filing an appeal they told him he had to do all these things he had to get a doctor statement he had to uh get evaluated he had to take a road test and a written test again and you know all this stuff <laughs> he actually he actually started into it but then there were some things happened and it was like he could not get through it you know so he sure. finally gave up on that and he started saying i haven't done anything wrong you know yeah and so anyway, um, uh, in the meantime, oh, okay, so he, he, he appeals it with the DMV, and we have a hearing. It was a complete ambush, complete ambush. Right. They talked nonstop for the first hour and would not let him get a word in. And finally, I said, when does Mr. Cameron get to talk, you know? 
Sure. And what they were doing, what they were doing was front loading the uh, recording, so that if ever got to a court or anything, it would be all their say in the first hour, you know. Sure. But um, when we started saying stuff, it just it just deteriorated, and it it actually. Oh, then afterwards, I asked for a copy of the recording, and I got the CD. And would you believe that they edited out? There were blank spaces in the CD where we had said things, and they had edited it out. Doesn't surprise so, me one bit. So that was no no help, you know. And so since then, he he has been stopped um, numerous times. I think five times now, in okay. both this county and the neighboring county. And uh, every time they fine him, uh, the last two times, I think the last two times they, they seize the car and he has uh-huh. to go and get it. And so he has to pay. He, has, he, he was paying the fines. I'm not sure he's paying them anymore, but he, he has to pay to get the car out. And then he was paying for a lawyer to go to court with him who did absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and I kept trying to get him to see that the lawyers are not no help at all. And um, just recently, I, you know, in frustration trying to help him, um, one thing I know through the, you know, through the years of doing things is exposure uh, can work, you know. Hmm. So, Absolutely. so I wrote up. I wrote up his story and I posted it online. It's on it's a it's it's thomasinvirginia.wordpress.com. And okay, I posted I the I posted the whole story and I posted the officer's report. And um so so that's been are you still there? No. Yes, I think we got somebody else on the line. Oh, okay. Yes. So I posted hey, that. Hey, Edward, happy birthday. Hold on one second, Edward. I got uh, Linda on the line talking. Okay. He got he got stopped again, and um, I'm I talked to him today, and I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get him. You know, this is what I've said to people: if they don't exactly know how to do things, you know, it's like tell your story, you know. Don't Absolutely. don't tell it don't tell it in such a way that you're going to get yourself in trouble, but tell your story, you know, because that goes back to what you said. They don't like any evidence, you know. Well, if you're telling your story, you're telling the truth of what happened, uh, you know, and you expect and you know you expect to get justice in a court, but that's not always, you know, they're not looking for justice. They're looking for equity. They're, they're looking, looking for money. For, exactly. They're looking for equity. you know they want to get paid whenever you you know break the 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 contract hey uh linda let me introduce edward here um edward happy birthday by the way and thank you for for joining me um i don't know if you've been listening but linda's situation with her friend um they keep taking his car uh they keep uh they never cited him him. yeah they're they're extorting him that's what they're doing I, I was wondering, Edward, if you might tell her the, uh, the story about the, the woman in the house that you told me last night. 
Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, um, I, I don't know where you are in your dialogue, but I'll just kind of, this is an interesting story uh, relative to banks, the charging of interest, and the exercising okay. of, of uh, the exercising of faith. Uh, this woman contacted me on a Tuesday when the following Monday there was going to be an auction and all of their mechanics, property, machinery, the land their farm was up for auction because she had failed on a $40,000 loan that okay. they had put up this, this machinery for collateral. And so it was already advertised in the paper, done deal, that auction's taking place. And so I went out there, the sheriff came while I was out there and we talked a little bit and I gave him a notice of 176 of the criminal code here in Canada that says you can't obstruct ministry with civil law. It makes them a criminal. So he was a shocked to see Hold on, I can't. I didn't understand what you just said. Here and here and where did you say? Canada. He's in Canada. Um, oh my goodness. Canada. Okay. And uh-huh. so we have a civil. We have civil code up here, and then we have criminal code, just like you do, similar down there. And right. So our our criminal code says it's a, a criminal offense to obstruct a minister or a gathering of men and women met for a moral, social, or benevolent purpose. So I showed him that, and he was a little dazzled, and he didn't know what to do with that. So eventually, on the on the um, the Friday, we ended up at the bank where this loan, you know, the foreclosure was coming from, and um, or the auction, and we're talking to the bank manager. We made an appointment down there, and we got to go in to see the bank manager, and I had my Bible, and the woman with me had her smile <laughs> and her purse, and she was dressed nice, and so was I. And uh, I told the bank manager that this woman, her name was Barbara, had recently taken up her faith and can no longer contribute to usury, and she would like to settle the principal of the loan uh, with cash, but she'd like the, uh, the usury that had been applied to the loan applied to the principal so she could affect the, the resolution and, and finish making payments. And the woman met, went like, white as a ghost and initially she was all cheery and warm and what can I do for you and when I told her that um, she uh, she settled in quite quickly and picked up the phone and phoned the lawyer for the bank and told her to meet Barbara in the court on the following Monday that she had settled and she'd be talking to the lawyer about the details and it was just over like that it, it went by so fast it was like 30 seconds from the time we got there to almost the time we left they settled? Did you say they right settled? Away, right away, took all of the interest that she previously applied to that loan and applied it to the principal and then allowed her to pay $1,000 a month to finish paying off the principal of the loan. No interest. Now, no do you interest. think that was a religious, that, do you think that was some kind of religious? Uh, because there, the, Muslims, the Muslims believe that. They, did, they will not pay interest. You know. So you've answered your Nothing. own question. <laughs> but uh, one that? thing, Edward, tell her how that how you stopped the auction sale. Well, the the sheriff got the notice from the lawyer that the auction was off because the bank had accepted her offer. She went in and made an offer to pay based upon her religious beliefs. And based upon, they've got no authority to intimidate her, to violate her faith, or to cause her to falter when she's a new a newcomer, a beginner. You know, like 
just learning. Those who get between Christ the little and the little children that are coming to him, they'd best be putting a millstone around their neck. And I think this, this bank manager must have known that, that she had I don't, no window. Once, once the notice was on the line about this woman's faith, and she couldn't pay the usury, but she wanted to pay the principal. It was a good faith offer on this woman's part. The banker knew it, and she had to accept it. But didn't you also let the, the, the officer know that this was church prop, that it was church property? At that, no, not at that particular instance. I let the sheriff know that that was there under the auspice of my authority right. as a minister. And there was a moral, social, and benevolent purpose taking place on that property. I let the sheriff know that. But the banker, I didn't hit her with that cudgel of, or that club of, of law. I didn't have to. All I did right. was show the just the faith. That right. was it. I just exercised faith in front of her. It was pretty quiet and subtle and humble. And she looked like she went white. Yeah. I was, I, I, was just telling, I was just I, telling Linda about uh, Paul Revere and, uh, you know, how he's got the license plates and the license and the registry. Uh, so if they wanted to call in the number, uh, you know, the license plate number, they call into, you know, his, his registry and, uh, you know, it's registered. When they pull you over, they say they want to know it's registered and it's registered to a trust, whether it be private or public. Okay, like we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, having having trust being uh, the uh, title being split into legal and equitable. And if it's registered with the public, then the public is holding legal title and you get equitable. So, I find what I find what he said very fascinating because um, that whole usury thing, I think that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if. They don't want to get into a conflict with religious uh, aspects. Or, or I'm thinking that they don't want they don't want to get into a hashing out of the whole usury thing. Absolutely. You know? Because how can they how can they how can they grant that to one person just because of their beliefs and not be granting it to the next person? Okay, here, here's your law, 18 U.S. Code 247, damage to religious property, semicolon, obstruction of persons in the free exercise of religious beliefs. Well, you've got to read that. 18 but US isn't, isn't that a stretch? Is, because that wasn't part of church property, right? Well, the church is... Uh, a, a church is an individual. It's not a building. God's property is church's property because the definition of kirkios, which is the Greek origin of the word church, means God's property. I would give anything to know why they dropped it. I guess you'll never know. But um, Well, the reason they dropped that separation. Why? I'll explain to you why they dropped it. International law is prevalent upon commercial law. Commercial law is bound by international law. It's prevalent. They can't avoid it. And so because they tied themselves to international law, they tied themselves to discrimination against religious beliefs. They can't force anybody to violate those faith beliefs. Everybody's well known. Islamic don't subject themselves to usury, so they got their own bank set up. But what's to prevent, obviously, we demonstrated what's to prevent 
a man of faith and belief in Christ that doesn't want to subject themselves to usury walking into a bank. Well, I just did it, and it worked. First time, my jaw just about hit the floor. It was so fast, it blew me away. And I thought, why haven't people done this before? Because they didn't know. Um, there's just a, in the back of my mind, here, here's the thing. I, I, worked, for the gov- I worked for the government, and I re- retired yeah. uh, 20 okay. years ago. And at the end of it, I saw all this uh, effort for globalization. Sure. And and I realized at that time it was bad, you know. But um, if you understand the power of a computer, it's basically standardization of data. That's where that's where you know a computer gets its power and efficiency yeah. and all that. Well, yeah. so their their goal. I saw this in the government. Um, I was I worked in uh, health affairs, which is medical, and they were they had a problem because they had all these different systems, like the army had theirs, the navy had theirs, the and they were all different. So they didn't really talk to each other, and so there was this huge effort to standardize. Uh, data fields across those systems. Join all the databases, make them cross-searchable. They had to. They had to be, in order to make them interrelated. They had to make. They had to standardize. You know, the systems, which was it was just a nightmare. But anyway, um, so so that's the idea, and that is the reason for. You know, it doesn't take it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to predict one money, one government, one uh, you know, one everything. You know. Yeah, one world money but, system. But in order to do that, you have to standardize everything. And I think personally, I think the most important one is the law. Hmm. And you know, you know what the issues kind of know what the you know Sharia law and. Uh, common law and all the other laws, that would all have to be standardized. Well, so, standard, it was standardized 4,000 years ago in Deuteronomy 4 and 2. He said, do not add to my law. Do not take away from my law this I command you. So if we lost sight of what he was saying, it was pretty simple. But if we lost sight or maybe forgot what he said, well, I can understand when there's confusion when we go, well, which law are we can listen to? What, you forgot what he said 4,000 years ago? <laughs> well, it's not just that. No. And again, like I said, with the social contract, uh, law, law is, is, is standardized. There is, it doesn't change. It's not arbitrary. It has to, you know, gravity doesn't change just because, you know, uh, they pass a statute. But my concern is that my my concern is if they were to achieve these things, like one money, one law, one government, one uh, religion, one I don't you know you could just go on and on. That then then they would have then there would be total control, you know. And so well, we I don't have know. That I guess, here. We kind of have we I have guess, it here, but it's also it's an illusion. It's a fraud because. Again, you know, if you, if you look at what we were talking about, about the social contract, um, it's a theory, okay? And they base the entire law, uh, you know, and, it, and others being subject to that law or these rules that men and women make up 
for others, okay, based on something that isn't a fact. It's a theory. It's, it's, it's rebuttable. You, you know, when they say that, uh, well, you're, you're, you know, you're subject to the law because of the social contract, well, then you ask. You have, you have to uh, rebut that. You have to rebut the presumption. Well, if, that, if you're saying that there's this social contract, then I need the evidence with my signature on this contract, and I need full disclosure of that contract so I, I can make an a educated decision of whether or not I want to consent. Could be a party so to what, you're, what you're saying is it doesn't operate the way it's supposed to is basically it. And, but right, it, it's it makes hidden me, contract. You know, it's kind of like, are we ever going to get to that? You know, are they just going to jump to globalization and, and have the same fraud that we have now? You know, that, that would be worse is my, uh, you know, thing. But, I, I, you know, I know it's I a side. Can I offer a solution? It kind of cuts to the chase, but we, haven't, sure. we probably all know we haven't got much time. So what the solution is, has been in front of us a long, long time. It's right there in the book when that God don't respect persons. So we got one word. We can lower ourselves down to figure out that basically we're not a math we're a player on a stage. So we're not persons. We're men and women. Once we got that figured out, in 1948, they threw out an offer. They threw a bone out for us telling us that men and women get these freedoms not to be discriminated against, for instance, on the basis what of was, the state. What so was the 1948 thing? Declaration of Human Rights. They got three categories in there, humans, persons, and men and women. I'm not one of the former, I'm the latter. Men and women, I'm in that category. So because I understand the difference, and so do they when they wrote it, they know what words mean. Uh, I said, well, okay, if you're going to give me rights as a man, then I put my faith in this Bible and, and Christ is my master. If you can show me where you get the authority to intimidate me to bow and submit to you, I'm real interested. I'm all ears. And that's about you're the You're forcing them to prove that they have this authority. The social contract is what they're basing yeah. it on. They end it. It ends. That social contract ends once you ask the question, if they have you the authority to violate your contract with Christ. It's over. Their assumption's gone. The whole world's assumption relies on your ability to deny the contract with Christ by getting into bed with them. Okay. That's the fullness of the law, the fullness of the law, the law is fulfilled when you love your neighbor because you'll do no harm. And basically what's the common law is, is founded on, okay, um, you know, which is why there cannot be a crime without a victim, okay? The common law actually was a replacement for the Ten Commandments that King Alfred put on the law of the land in 880 AD. The first great king of Great Britain, at least notable, King Alfred the Great, he made the Ten Commandments the law of the land. And by the time uh, that uh, Long John there, uh, king of England, had come along with the, the barons crying and whining because they couldn't beat up the peasants they had this law of the land, the commandments that the judges. Well, even even beyond that, even even beyond that, even if you're not a uh, Christian or whatever, you know, 
mm-hmm. or the Bible or whatever. You know, I don't even. You don't even have to call it the Ten Commandments. I mean, who can argue? Who can argue with that stuff? You don't well, murder. Sure. You don't. The basis of the fraud worldwide is religious fraud, and the guys that are running it are in bed together, the Vatican and the Jewish bankers following the Jewish Talmud and the Torah, going back when God said, go make slaves of them, dumb goy, and purchase them and make them your possessions forever. Now, that's God telling the Israelites whether we believe in God or not is irrelevant because they believe in God, the people who run the World Bank and the Vatican. They believe in God, and they believe all the rest of us are sinners, and they own us and have authority. We can break that assumption by pointing to their law. Does it not say in your law that you don't get to discriminate against us? Does it not say you have to go to hardship to accommodate us? Does it not say that you cannot use your law to argue? And it does. It says that explicitly. I've gone and done the research to show people how this is how the LBGTQ community got an office in the Privy Council of Canada. And I venture to say they'll be doing it in the State Department beside Mike Pompeo pretty soon. Canada has common law too, right? Yes, we do, but it's not respected, nor is it exercised. Nobody even knows about the Canada. Yeah, nobody uses it. You have to push it. See, that's the thing, though. Common law, they still, you know, and if you look up definitions uh, now, uh, newer definitions, because they change all the time as well, legalese, you know, what I like to call babble, does that all the time. Changes to suit the part, you know, to suit the the government. And, um, you know, so when you look at the uh, common law definition now, it is basically case law. Okay. There you go. Um, there you go. Case law, which is based on Magna Carta. Right, which is also based on judges' decisions. Okay. Well, they've so always causing they've judges always... to be able to, you know, instead of I mean, common law was common. It wasn't written down, and it, and it basically, uh, you know, whittled down was do no harm, do not assault your neighbor, do not, you know, don't violate someone else's rights. If if somebody's rights were violated, they had the right to make a claim under common law. But that's not what happens under statutes. I know. Equity is closer to common law as its base. Yes. Chancery, court of chancery. Like that's where equity took place, where fair judgment, all the facts were considered, and it was balanced according to who had the most to lose or therefore gain. Well, when you have the state on one side of the balance, you know, and they pile up nothing but imaginary, uh, imaginary statutes, things that have no, you know, nothing but uh, the legislator saying that they exist. Okay, the people who created those laws say they exist, so they exist. But that does not prove that they pertain to anyone. They pertain, it's just like, Give you an example. If you work at McDonald's and McDonald's has a bunch of rules for their employees, just like most places have rules for their employees, okay? Um, if you work there, then you're required to follow their rules. But if 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 you walk in as a customer, they can't tell you, "Hey, grab that, you know, grab that broom and you know sweep up that mess that last customer made." They can tell their their employee to do that, and they're contractually bound. But you aren't. 
-hmm. you're not contractually bound. You sign no contract to clean up the place or, or do work for them. Let, let me read for you both a little bit about a court case that took place here in British Columbia in 2001 that demonstrates what we're talking about. This was a case where a guy had lost his uh, memory and he was applying to the British Columbia courts for a new identity. And here's what took place. In his affidavit, Mr. Stoffens opposes that he has no identity documents whatsoever except for an Ontario hospital card. He does not know the source of his date of birth shown on the card or who assigned the name Philip Stoffen to him although the date of the birth seems to be right. It's defined by the Oxford Canadian Dictionary, a legal fiction, is an assertion accepted as true, though probably fictitious, to achieve a useful purpose. In legal matters, in the historical introduction to English law and its institutions, third edition by Harold Potler, the learned author at page 2302, groups of fictions used in the three classes. Fiction used to increase the jurisdiction of the courts, Fiction designated to avoid the cumbersome and archaic form of action. Three, fictions having a false assumption of fact in order to extend the remedy the court can grant. Jowett's Dictionary of Law provides two examples in order to illustrate how the former practice and jurisdiction of the courts rested largely on fictions. Thus, the King's Bench acquired jurisdiction in actions for debt by surmising or feigning that the defendant had been arrested for a trespass, which he had never committed, and then allowing the plaintiff to proceed against them for debt. In the second example, the court of exchequer acquired jurisdiction by permitting the plaintiff in certain actions to plead that he wanted to get to the king, and by reasons of the cause of actions, pleaded he has become less able to pay his wholly fictitious debt to the king. Although fictions have been used extensively over the centuries to expand the jurisdiction of the courts and the nature of the relief they can grant, I have not been referred to and have not in my research found an instance where a fiction has been used by a court to invent the facts necessary to decide the very issue before it. So I just wanted to read to you those words out of the mouth of a judge in the British Columbia Supreme Court as to what legal fictions are. And a legal and, fiction is like I was telling you, that is your birth certificate is the legal person. Um, uh, only legal persons can sue or be sued in these courts of statutes. Okay? Um, it, it's, it's a lower form of law, just like I was saying about McDonald's. Uh, they're bylaws of a corporation. And unless that corporation, you have a contract with them, they cannot yeah, hold I, you accountable. I have heard that, not in all these terms like fiction stuff, but I've heard it in terms of those are commerce, basically, commerce. And yes. Don't apply to well, that's, commerce is the world of fiction. <laughs> those are all legal fictions. When you set up a corporation, you're setting up a legal fiction. Okay. Uh, it's it, yes. It's a, you're you're creating a soulless entity. Okay. Um, unlike a, a a man or a woman who has a soul and a spirit and a body, there is a, a corporate shell. Okay. You no, know, and maybe there, no maybe, it, maybe yeah. it has to be like that because it all derives from common law. 
and well, and all, contract. Uh, it all derives from contracts. Well, see, if you, if you look at a hierarchy, if you've got God at the top, God created man and woman, right? Now, so God would be the creator of man and woman. Man and woman are the creator of governments. Governments are you know, still men and women, which are we're supposed to be all equal, correct, under the law. But if the government makes a law, okay, one, they're playing God because every time you go before a judge, he's making life and death decisions uh, over whoever's being subjected to their ruling, okay? But a corporation, okay, government-created corporations, and anything that you create, you've got control over what it does, what it can do. You know, if you invent something, you decide what that thing that you invented can do, what it can't do, and what its purpose is. And a legal fiction was created for the purpose of being able to sue and be sued in their legal fiction courts. Um, a man and a woman does not belong in those legal fiction courts, um, which is why when I said earlier, I'll go in and, and hand uh, the legal fiction, custody of the legal fiction over to the judge. Uh, I'll walk up when they call the case. I say, I'm here for that case. Uh, I, I have a beneficial interest in that case. And, um, you know, you being the public trustee, here's the legal fiction, and now you have custody of the legal fiction. Okay? That's who they're acting against. They're, not act they're acting against a juristic person, not against me. But if I take up the, the, the title of trustee, now I have a fiduciary responsibility. A trustee has a fiduciary responsibility to the trust, to the beneficiaries of the trust. Okay? So all public employees are considered public servants. They say public servant here because they don't want them, you know, they don't want it widely known that they are trustees of the public trust with a fiduciary responsibility to the people. Okay, so yeah, when you go in and you, what's that? I, one thing is going through my mind when you're saying this. Um, I, I, I have listened to, I'm sure you've heard of National Liberty Alliance and all about the unalienable rights and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. so I know some, I know some of this all, not what you're talking about specifically, but I know some of it uh, already, but Here's my problem with the whole thing, and it's and it's this. Um, like I help the homeless sometimes, and sure. there's people they can't even figure out how to get their birth certificate, a copy of their birth certificate. So right. I have helped them. I have helped them get their birth certificates and stuff like that. Uh, help them get assistance, you know, all that kind of stuff. There are people Without that like birth that. Certificate, they couldn't apply for any benefits, right? Uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. He wanted to get Social Security, and um, yep. So well, that's um, a benefit of the public trust. That's a benefit of the public trust. So they have to be a beneficiary to get those, not a trustee. But but here's my point in it. Um, and I filed I filed my own like I file I filed countersuits and and filings, pleadings, and all this. You know, in a lot of my in different cases I've had. So um, I know more than the average person, let's just say that. But, sure. but 
my problem with all of this is we know the way it's supposed to be, and they've gotten so far away from that. They've gotten totally, basically totally detached from it, you know, to where it it's all basically baseless now, meaningless. Corrupt. Absolutely. And, it's corrupted. But here's the problem. The average person walks into a courtroom and I, even somebody like me, you cannot, you cannot prevail. You know, you can, it takes this, it, my, my point is, it takes this degree of heroics that's inhuman. You know, you have to, to know, <laughs> you have to know all this stuff. You have to know about your unalienable rights. You have to know what they're doing wrong and what what they should be doing, and and be able to convey it. And you know, well, it's is, this for thirty years I've been studying okay. law. Um, Edward has been studying for twenty five years, and you know what what he was saying, and 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 what I'm saying as far as um, making it simple. It's very simple. I'm my own authority. I have the right to have, you know, my own authority, which is, you know, um, (laughs) excuse me, jurisdiction. But the burden, the burden burden is not on them. It's on the the person that walks into the lion's den, you know, and and it's just insurmountable. Which is flip flop. It's a flip flop because whoever makes the claim is supposed to prove it. Okay. They're making right, a claim exactly. that you are you are their property and they have legal title over you, okay, to act upon your legal person. And the burden okay? should Not be on, on you, them. On the you. burden should be on them. The burden Absolutely. shouldn't be on us. The burden shouldn't be on us to learn all all about all the different laws and, and know the sure. constitution and know I mean it's good to know that. I, I'm, I've taken the Constitution course, and I'm taking a civics course now. So it's, not, sure. it's good to know all that stuff, and everybody probably should know it. But, you know, there's so – I would say 90 – Back in the day – What? Back in the day, civics was part of the school system. Yes, it was, yes. So everybody, They're not learning comes, anything now. Can I – I've got another call at 6.45, so can you give me five minutes? I'd like to try and explain this. So it makes it really simple where we combine Thank everything you. that we all know. And just give me five minutes reign here. Um, okay. As, as I was mentioning before, we have international law that is binding upon all these corporate entities that like to demonstrate authority over us, the subjugated citizens. So upon notification to them that we have a demand for accommodation, we'd like to know from them, very humble-like, if they respect these international covenants and their obligations so they're in signatory to, they signed on to this and they are obligated. We're asking them, do you respect your obligations under these international covenants? And you put it before Mike Pompeo's office, the Secretary of State. He'd be real nice about it. You know, wise as serpent, meek as doves. And... They've got to answer back, yes or no. Well, I guarantee you they're going to come back and say yes. They say, well, good. Uh, I, I have a demand for accommodation because of my faith and belief. I can no longer subject myself to the designation of being a person 
It's a violation of my faith, is easily indicated in this King James Bible here, Deuteronomy 1, 17, 10, 17, 2 Samuel 14, 14, Matthew 22, 16, Acts 10, 34, Romans 2, 11, and James 2, and 9, demonstrating if you should show respect to persons, you commit sin and shall be convinced of the law as a transgressor. Now, once these authorities get notification is that you want to jump ship because you can't respect persons anymore, they've already indicated they'll respect your First Amendment freedom to have your faith and beliefs, and you'll be able to walk in them and express them without fear of any kind of repercussions. So they're kind of caught over a barrel because you're pointing to the Bible here. It says that you're not to respect persons. The whole damn system worldwide that speaks English and even other languages, <clears throat> even the Hispanic languages, they're all persona. They're all subject to using this word as a trap and ensnarement, and they point to Romans 13 in the Bible as their reasoning when you complain. Well, Romans 13 has to mix absolutely and match perfectly with Ezra 7, 23 through 26, that demonstrates that that word person, I mean minister, the word minister, in Romans 13, that we're to subject ourselves. Now remember, this chapter is used worldwide to get everybody to go submit to these corporate entities called governments. They're trying to say they're one and the same with Romans 13 when it uses the word yes, minister. render unto Caesar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's trying to... Well, and that's goes, that goes back to the globalization that I talked about. Well, that's exactly right. So let, let me finish here on this role. Uh, so the United Nations being that they've already recognized the hammer's been down. These international covenants are like court decisions. In Latin, it's called stare decisis. That's why they're bound and obligated, and they put this Article 27 of the Vienna Convention in place in 1979 that says once you're demanding accommodation, we've got to go to hardship, and we can't use our statute code and regulation to argue anymore. It's saying they can't use their internal law as an excuse to avoid their obligations. So this is beautiful because we have one segment through the whole pile of law, and we all know there's hundreds of thousands of their codes and regulations. We've got one that says that they're obligated, have a duty to accommodate, and I've even found a law in Canada that says they're criminal if they don't. They're avoiding their duty, making you feel uncomfortable, trying to prevent you from doing what's common to all of her, well, up here they call it Her Majesty's subjects, which is supposedly subject to the laws of the Bible. So the idea is, is if you're not demonstrating faith or you've got a gay agenda issue or you have a physical disability or you have a language discrimination, a color discrimination, or you've got a child's right issue or an indigenous issue, none of your rights are protected. And if you're not complaining, well, they don't even have to listen to you. So I'm saying this is a solution that's well-founded. This is how the Sikhs got the RCMP to allow them to wear turbans on their head instead of the traditional hat. They fought in court for like eight years. Finally, $10 million went over to the Sikh who complained. Now they, the RCMP wear turbans. Now they ride their motorcycles without helmets. Uh, they, was, that fought on, was that fought on the same basis of what you were talking about? Absolutely. They are bound and obligated as less, unless they can prove that your practice or your faith represents a damage to them. And because you're following the Bible and not respecting a person's or associating with this dead foundation of names that you see in obituary columns, that backwards name, the all capital letters, or you see on a gravestone in all capital letters. If you yeah, a corporation that, name. Yeah, if you don't want to be necrophiliac, that's, you know, having commercial intercourse with the dead. 
that, that's necrophilia, commercial intercourse with the dead. So if you, if you read the scripture and say, oh, my goodness, I can't do this anymore, just like when we went in the bank, or, oh, my goodness, I can't pay the interest anymore, the bank just like automatically jumped to the pension and relieved her of all the interest and allowed her to pay the principal. It was just like shocking to me how fast it took place. I didn't realize that the faith of a mustard seed had as much power as Christ owed me of little faith. Wow, it just all brought down the bank. <laughs> so this power, I'm demonstrating. Well, that I would, I would be. That's one example, and I. Yes, that's just one in dozens. I can tell you. I, mean, I just he uh, um, David asked me to to bring up that particular example, which I did. But the power here is they're binding, they're shouting, the chains around their hands, and the and, and the gag in their mouth is international law and these covenants. And when you learn it, it protects your religious faith and beliefs and the exercise thereof, then they're hooked. That's the end of their ability to say anything. As a matter of fact, they're, they're begging and we're expecting you to say roll over or, you know, wag your tail or, or ask them to do something. They really now understand at that point that they are your servant or they have to demonstrate what you're asking them to do would bring them to such hardship it would just break them. Yes. Well, I mean, again, when I go to court, I, I'll, I'll hand over the legal custody of that legal person to the judge who is a public trustee, and now they can administer the trust to the benefit of the beneficiary, which would be me, should I choose to take those benefits. So I'm not there as a trustee. It is a trust, and when there's a trust, the trustee is the one that has a fiduciary responsibility. So the judge will turn around and go, Case dismissed because the judge would be stuck with paying the charges as the, the as the fiduciary responsibility as the trustee. Collapse the trust. Yes, you're collapsing the trust. Well, I'm not even collapsing it. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm turning over to the trustee to the proper trustee. They're trying to execute. They're trying to play executor of the trust, which they're doing what would be called executor de son tort, which is a false executor, okay? They're supposed to be acting in a trustee capacity. They're supposed to be acting in a trustee capacity. All I'm doing is forcing them to do that. They're not coming against me as an individual. Most people think that when you go to court, they're bringing in you. They're bringing in that fiction, and you're the one that's joining yourself to it. They have a fiduciary responsibility to react, even respond, because otherwise they're in breach, breach of trust. You yes. know, but I, I, well, I've been told in the terms of jurisdiction, you know, but even now, after listening to all this for, I don't know, a few years or whatever, I would not know how to go into a courtroom and avoid jurisdiction I, I just don't know i don't know what i don't know i don't know enough about it, 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 it i guess well you don't first off don't claim to be the the legal fiction don't claim anything when if they ask me who i am i say i'm a beneficiary of this estate here you're the trustee that that's a submission but if you do the scriptures tell us to remain the head by asking a question. Now, we get our choice in court, which we're going to do, which road. We're going to go down the road of argument, which in reality is dishonor. When some of us are really, really good at it, you know, some of us are really good at it, we can actually win the argument. 
but it's still nonetheless classified as the dishonorable role, whereas if you go to agreements such as the notice to admit or the request for admissions, it's toppling to the other side when you have absolute facts on the table and you're asking them to rebut it. Or is it true you're bound to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights in accord with the First Amendment of the United States? Is it true that you recognize Title 18, 247 of the, uh, the U.S. Code? Because that's how, they, that's how they get paid, isn't it? Through that bond yes. or something like that? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yes, I remember reading. I remember reading. See, I'm start. I'm starting to get some of this. I'm starting to get some of it. <laughs> well, it's very difficult. You know, since the people that have done this are in league with the Vatican, and they're they're rabbinical. In other words, the rabbis in league with the Vatican. They've been doing it since the days of Christ. They were in bed with the, with Rome back then. They they helped Rome put Christ to death. Christ was actually an enemy to Rome, but Rome didn't want to look like the bad guy, so the Jews took the blame. And they've been in bed ever since, so don't have to doubt. I, um, I hadn't been involved in any cases for a long time, but uh, code enforcement came after me, and um, they charged me as a criminal for improving my house. I'm going to make, make it real short. Okay, so... So my mind, my mind, yeah, I'm charged as a criminal. I'm a criminal, and then my crime is trying to fix my house. I, I have a, I have a website. Uh, no, 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 no. I had a permit. I did everything right. I did everything right. I had a permit. In fact, when they came after me, I said, what do I need to do? They said, you need to renew your permit, which I did. So, no, Are I'm not one of these. Submitted to jurisdiction. Well, see, now, now, you know what I just said? I have no idea. When did I do that? When you applied for the permit, when you applied for license, permission. Oh, well, true, true. You know, you, yes, that's true. Um, that's not your belief. If you don't do that, uh, I know people, they have people in there every day, all day long that did not get a permit, you know. Have you, have you ever driven by a property that was, you know, loaded with junk? I mean, you know, falling down structures, yeah, uh, yeah. broken down cars all over. You know why they aren't bothered? Why? Most of, most of those homes, most of those properties are in private trust. I've got one right next door to me. It looks like, a, it looks like a, a, an old uh, junkyard. But he's, he's owned property here. For his family's been here for at least a hundred years, and well, this is an, a private trust property. The the state can't tell him to do anything. He could he could put up a mole, and they could not tell well, him I to would, do anything. I would like to learn how to do that, but but anyway, that that you know, um, whoever thought this would happen, these are kind of like little laws exclusive to Virginia to the criminal uh, charges. But they didn't give me any due process, nothing, you know. And and would you believe the day that I was trying to, I was trying to comply and I was trying to schedule an inspection, the day that I was trying to schedule an inspection, I couldn't get into the system. It was like I was blocked. So I contacted the, the, the official there and I said, I'm having trouble getting into to the system. Would you believe that that day, he went down to the magistrate 
and filed those criminal charges against me. <laughs> two hours, two hours after I talked to him. So there's such a thing as called civil forfeiture. That's what they're civil after. forfeiture. Yes, there's oh, no, yeah, that, no doubt. It was a uh, well. I, I'm not telling you everything. I could tell you everything. There's a whole network. Did I, did here, I you get know. a nerve? Did I get a nerve with that one? Um, <laughs> not on civil forfeiture, but what they do is, well, it's kind of like civil forfeiture. They, they just keep fining you, you know. And well, um, they fine you and fine you until you can't pay, and then they. Then they'll take your property as... Then they as, take, yeah, uh, right, exactly. Uh, I immediately, though, well, let me just tell you real short. I immediately, I was real rusty. I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't dealt with a case in, in years and years. and But I immediately filed, filed a counter suit against them. And um, I was having the hardest time with it. I was under depression for like three years because I said... I'm being charged as a criminal for what? For improving my house? My mind, my mind couldn't even process it, you know? Sorry so that's when, I, that's when I started looking around for an answer. I said, what is going on, you know? And that's when I found uh, NLA, Natural Liberty Alliance, and I found this other stuff, found a whole bunch of stuff. The, some of the stuff you've touched on, I've read about, you know, and I just could not believe what I was, what was going on. You know, I just could not believe it. But they're acting against the estate of the legal person because that property was registered in the name of your legal person, not in your name, private name. Okay. You registered it, which gave them legal title. Okay. And they're acting on it. They're, they're, they're making legal decisions against your the property that you gave them into the trust. Okay. So what yeah. happens so, when you get a mortgage? What about so, getting a mortgage? So, so we become sure Dave your truck. So Dave you're trying yes. to say that never signed civil papers. Well no, you are a you know, you're a surety but you when you most people do this unknowingly. They they believe that you have to register your property with the government. You have to register your car with the government. When you do that, you are registering into a public trust, okay? You're giving up legal title. You don't have a rodeo title anymore. You've got, you've got uh, equitable title, and that's it. So you have right to use, but you don't have right to make decisions like an owner. You've got to put a proviso unless you put a proviso in like... Unless you put a proviso in. A proviso means it's something that says... All rights reserved in God's law, something like that. Yes. When I draw up a private trust, when I draw up a private trust, it always says that. You know, this trust you is, to, is, to, is to be, uh, you know, uh, adjudicated under God's law, period. There you go. That's it. With that, with you that, know, or, or, you, or you say common law. Yeah. I, I have to sign out. I have you're another uh, show I have to attend to. But I appreciate the opportunity to meet with you all. It's been a blessing this evening, and thank you very much. Thank you, David, thank you. Uh, for inviting me. Thank you, Edward, and I'll be ha- I'd like to talk some more, so maybe we'll, we'll chat again. Yes, yes, indeed. What was the lady's name again? 
Uh, I am Linda, Linda in Vir- Linda in Virginia. <laughs> Linda in Virginia. Well, thank you again, Linda, for having some ears and sharing. We'll talk to you again soon. Blessings. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting, especially <laughs> this whole thing on fictitious, fictitious. I don't. I wasn't. Uh, fiction. Legal. Wasn't, legal fictions. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really that knowledgeable about all that. So. Well, that may be your next Google search. Um, it'll, it'll really open to you. You know, a fiction is Tinkerbell. It's Mickey Mouse. It's it's imagined. Okay, it's not based in reality. Okay, and you, a legal fiction is not based in reality. Do you have any what su- Dave, the, the story? The story I told you about the man uh, with his driver's license and everything. Yes. Do you yes. Do you have any? Um, suggested anything that could be done? Well, I could tell you what happened. They, they used administrat- the Administrative Procedures Act, okay? The, uh, the officer, the original officer that pulled, him, uh, that pulled him over and didn't cite him, but went and around the entire due process uh, that protections that he was supposed to have, uh, which shows that it's not real law and it's void, because anything unconstitutional is void. Um, this is administrative, administrative procedures. That officer was uh, literally working not as an officer, but as a code enforcer for DMV. Okay? Now, basically, uh, they were a snitch to the DMV. They wrote up a report making a, a claim. Okay? So you are entitled to a hearing. You're entitled to have a lawyer at that administrative hearing, uh, as long as they're a bar member or not a bar member. Anybody can do it. Um, they'll tell you you have to be a bar member to represent somebody. Uh, but that's also a lie that they tell. It's right there in the Administrative uh, Procedures Act. But um, So they bypass the courtroom decision. Uh, when you go into a court for a ticket, any ticket, that judge is not a judge. He's a minister of whatever agency he is administering uh, the codes for. Okay. Magistrate. In this case, it's it would be the DMV. Well, not even a magistrate. Uh, uh, they're a minister, ministerial yeah. position. Yeah. It's not a judicial position. It's a ministerial position. They're active. Okay. So there is no longer Go judicial. Yeah. There, there's so what no about, more. What about when they? What about when they start stopping him, and giving him <clears throat> fines and taking his car? Does he have a, 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 a license it. plate on that vehicle? Yes. Well, then the, the vehicle is still under uh, legal title to the public. That's why they'll keep pulling him over. But no one ever looks at the fact he, that there he, that he didn't do anything wrong to start with, you know. No, I think no they're he, doing it because they, they know who he is and they're trying to extort him because they know he keeps paying. Right. He's an easy mark. He, he He's an easy mark. So when when... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey, Dave. It's yeah? just like um, when you were talking to me. The yeah, this is Curtis. Hey, Curtis. When you were talking to me the other day, you got you got to know when um, when to use your privilege, your driver's license, a privilege, and when to use your rights to travel. Uh, privilege. Is yes, but but in, in in his situation, it's a little bit different. Uh, you weren't uh, on the call when when she was discussing the case. But um, 
Okay. He basically was brought in. Uh, he got a letter in the mail saying that his, his license is suspended and that he had to take over the tests and do all these different things. And it was because of a notice that was given from the officer directly to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Okay? So what I was trying to say earlier was the judge, if, if, if she gave him a ticket, he would have gone to court. And he would have been sitting in front of a ministerial uh, officer for the Department of Motor Vehicles. Yeah. The hearing would have been that hearing. So that same hearing that you went to, um, Linda, would have been just like it would have been in a court hearing. Okay? Evidence should have been presented. You have the right to object. Yeah, I, oh, um, I filed, I filed a, a statement for him that said uh, he has been denied of all due process uh, 14th Amendment, I don't know what all I put in there. You know, I put all that in there. But they just treat sure. it with disregard. They treat it with Well, it's not disregard because you, they already gave, uh, he already gave up jurisdiction by applying for the license to begin with. Yeah. See, I don't have a license. I haven't yeah. carried one since I had a commercial license 10 years ago because you need a, a driver's I license to drive commercially. Okay? I, but you don't yes, need. Yes, I, I, I have a CDL. Um, okay, I so if you're it. driving commercially, if you're driving commercially, then you need to utilize that license and operate under the the rules set in that, uh, you know, uh, un, under that permission. So if I was to say, if it was a private trust and I was lending you my car and I tell you it's clean and and it's full of gas, um, my rules are you can drive it. But I need you to bring it back in the same shape that it's that I'm giving it to you in, and with a full tank of gas. Okay, no problem, right? So, and you agree to those terms, and you go and use the vehicle and come back. I gave you permission. I gave you license to use my property. When you register your vehicle and get a license, you are giving up your rights for privileges that can be taken away. Now, if you're not driving commercially, if you're taking your private property and, dry, and, and going from point A to point B, uh, you don't need permission to do use your own property. It's yours. You make up the rules under ownership. This is where they get you. You've given them legal ownership of your property, and you ask them for permission by asking for a license to use it, uh, you know, under whatever legal terms they decide uh, at the moment, because like I said, they change all the time. They're arbitrary. Okay? So when you applied for that license and you registered your vehicle with them, giving them legal title, now they can well, tell you what you can and can't do with it. Now, it's not a legal contract. It's not a legal contract, neither one, because there was not full disclosure. Had you been told ahead of time that, no, you don't really need one, or no, you don't really need to register it with us, in the public side, uh, you probably wouldn't have gone through the expense of doing so or the continued expense of being they, harassed. Or they don't right? say, I here, mean, I'll give you this card. You can go, dr- you can go drive, but, hey, I'm going to fly yeah. a ticket to you around that corner. Well, when, you know, again, when you give them the legal title, you're giving them ownership to decide what can and can't be done uh, with that property that you've registered. And then you're asking for permission, license, to use your own property. And, you, and there's a whole separate contract. 
all of which are through the <laughs> Department of Motor Vehicles, all of which are contracted through the Department of Motor Vehicles. So they can decide, whoever makes the rules, whoever has legal ownership of that vehicle, if you registered it with the Department of Motor Vehicles, they're the legal title holder. They give you a certificate that a title exists, but they are the holder in due course of the actual title. That's why they can tell you what you can and can't do. They can deny you a license for no reason at all. Maybe because you know, they don't like I, you. I was sitting, I was sitting in a restaurant one day, in a local restaurant here, and there was a meeting going on next to me. And it was uh, uh, city police, state police, uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and they were they were talking about taking seniors off the road. And um, oh, yeah, and it was almost like gleefully, you know, and they they were also talking the other the other thing they talk about was dropping the reckless uh, driving thing from 20 miles over the speed limit to 15 miles over the speed limit. Sure, and, and if you think about that from a business standpoint, that's increased profits. And they didn't know. You better watch you know, <laughs> They probably didn't know that we could hear, but I could hear every word they said, and uh, it was it was really uh, eye opening, you know. And I started looking around. I started looking around, and I don't see any senior people hardly driving around here, you know. Hmm. And I'm getting, sure. I'm getting, we're, 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 you know. Huh? I'm in Virginia. I'm 20 minutes out of D.C. in a, what they call Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia is just kind of like a D.C. extension suburb, suburb. D.C. suburb. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and when you when you do that, you know, when when they do things like that, um, they every law that they make, every statute. I can't say law because man doesn't make laws. Uh, Man makes statutes, rules, uh, acts, um, judicial decisions, which would be what, which now would be what they would consider common law or case law. So man, man was never intended to make rules. If we're all equal, then how can I make rules for you? If I don't have the right to make up rules for how you live, what you can do with your property, then where did they get these these rights? to do this now. And if they don't have those rights and they didn't get them from us because we don't have them, then it's got to be illegitimate. It's but let got me to tell be you what, Let me tell you what happens, though. You know, I told you the story about code enforcement came after me. Um, you know, they fined me twice, $250 that I, and when I didn't pay it, they threatened to take my driver's license away from me. And mm -hmm. they would have done it. You know, they would have taken sure. it. So well, they do that same thing okay. with people who don't pay their child support. Yeah. If you don't yeah. pay your child support, they'll use that to take away your license. Which, if you really think about that logically, well, if I can't use my own vehicle to go, you know, if I don't have their permission to use the, my own property to go to work, how do they expect me to make those payments? It's a catch-22. Yeah, that, that's and why they a lot of those failure. have been... That's why a lot of those practices yeah, exactly. have been abolished because people couldn't even get to work to pay the fine, you know? Sure. Oh, it's being challenged. They're being, those, those, those statutes, those rules are being challenged all the time. But 
again, it always comes down, you know, why should we have to wait for some landmark decision to come out for, for some sort of semblance of justice? And that's why, you know, if there's, no, if there's no crime, if there's no victim, then there is no crime. And anybody who says that, they, that there is, some prosecutor is making that accusation, you know, a prosecutor is also a public trustee. How, how funny would it be if you handed yep. your legal person to the custody of the prosecutor and said, you're now the trustee of this case that you're bringing. Okay. Now you're, you are, a, you have a fiduciary responsibility uh, and you're going to defend it. Um, you know, you'd have to drop it, you know, as a prosecutor, you know, if they bring the charges, then they are basically sticking themselves with the bill because now they're, they have that trust uh, trustee position over it over that case, over that estate. And that's all they're doing when you go into court. So, and, and anybody can do this at any time. A, a contract, if, if it's valid, you can withdraw from any contract you want for cause or for no cause. I just don't like the people I'm doing business with. So I'm not going to do business with them anymore. Okay? Well, the government is nothing more than a corporation that is... Uh, getting customers at gunpoint and through indoctrination from birth. We are told at 15 or 16, you got to get permission to drive your vehicle to, and you have to register your vehicle and you have to pay taxes. All these things are voluntary. They don't say that ever. They make you think that it's mandatory. And then they come at you with guns and threats of force and force to enforce those things, which is terrorism. It's the definition of terrorism. So, you know, knowing this, that it's illegitimate, you know, again, make, make them the benefit, make them the trustee and sit back and watch as the beneficiary as they have to act in your best interest. They have to well, act in your I best interest. I would do that. I would do that if I knew how to do that. <laughs> I yeah, don't know and, how to and, do and, that. You know, this is one of the things I, 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 you know, in 30 years of studying law, is about as simple as it gets. If you and, and it's really understanding trust law. In trust, uh, in trust law, you've got a, a simple way of doing it. Is you've got a grantor. That's the one that establishes the trust. Okay, that the one that puts the assets into the trust. Okay, and it's uh, a, a true trust is um, irrevocable. You're giving it up. But these statutory trusts are revocable, which is why you can go and get the actual title and take it away from the state. You can actually uh, opt out of your license contract and not be tied to those rules, okay, under contract with the DMV. Um, and you can take your property back, you know, even your house. You can do that and put it into another trust to protect it. You I know, would really like to do that. that I wish I knew. I wish I knew how to do that because, you know, uh, after this, I can just see we are just so running a risk of them pulling this stuff, whatever they can dream up, you know, and True. then, uh, you know. Oh, like, I don't trust you know, the public. I don't trust the single representative that they think that they represent me. Uh, I was talking about this last yeah. week. Um, you know, if if there's a representative out there, that's claiming to represent me, then I want to see the power of attorney that I gave them with my signature on it, that they can make up the rules for me. 
I want to see the rules that they make up for me. I want to see the authority that I gave them in a power of attorney. Because that's the only way that they got to be my representative is an express uh, contract, which they'll never get, <laughs> you know. But being a trust, so, so you have the grantor so of the trust. Question, so when you, one of my questions is, does, this, does, does taking this path really, can you really be successful at it? And, or do you have to go to jail six, a half a dozen times first? <laughs> Before they get tired of messing with well, you. Well, see, I, 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 fortunately, I went to the School of Hard Knocks, and I've been in, in, in a cage before. Um, very, very promptly let me out the next day when the court opened uh, because uh, I was able to explain to the judge that, uh, you know, they don't have any authority to do what they're doing. And I mean, I don't, know that, I don't know that I'm that opposed to it. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I've stood on principle yeah, well, a lot I, of times. Well, setting yourself up a trust, setting, setting up a trust, putting your property in, and indenturing yourself to the trust, okay? See, yeah. I, I'm, an indenture, I'm, I'm indentured to the trust as a trustee, okay? Well, Brett, so, Brett but, I don't know. Have you heard of Brett Winters? He's that constitutional um, no. lawyer on NLA. No. He, he suggested the same thing. He said this is how you do it, and he basically said the same thing you're saying, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, when you say the trust. I don't know how to go. And he said, he said, if I knew a constitutional lawyer in your area, I would uh, recommend him, but he couldn't think of anybody right off, you know. So I don't know how to go out and just do this stuff. So, well, you know. see, and that's the thing, and I tell people I set up trusts. I do set up trusts. Um, I tell people that, you know, it's, it's a trust isn't like uh, a piece of paper, you, 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 you know, or a group of papers, and you draw it up and throw it in the drawer and hope that it you know, protects you someday. It's a, it's a lifestyle of being uh, a, a steward of the things that you have, okay? A trustee is a servant, okay, of the trust uh, properties, any of the assets that any, are in the trust. Is there any issue with that, uh, uh, like passing on to your kids and all that stuff? Not at all. It can all be, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, it's the absolute best way because mm -hmm. it would be, you can, you can set up all the rules ahead of time. You've heard of trust fund babies. Well, they don't just get some lump sum, you know, uh, amount unless that's the way it was written. You can write up all the rules as to how the beneficiaries are going to uh, utilize it. And I would always suggest that they learn to become stewards or trustees of the, of the estate and continue it. As the trustee, you control it, okay, but you don't own the assets, okay? But how is it, the that, they, how is it that they disregard everything else and somehow they just allow you to do this, you know? Well, trust law has been around a very, very long time, and I'm sure you've heard of the Ford Foundation and the Carnegie Foundation, and uh, mm -hmm. let's see, the, the Clinton Foundation, okay? My uh, friend uh, my friend was uh, talking at one time, he has rentals, and he was talking about incorporating himself or something like that, no, no, no. you know, so incorporating, you know, incorporating for each property to protect it for limited liability. 
But when you set up a corporations, and I set up corporations for the last 20 years as a service for a, a, as a, you know, a business consultant, when you set up a statutory corporation under the Secretary of State, you are asking for a government charter. Now you've got to follow their rules for corporations. You've got to pay taxes. You've got to do this, that, and the other. You're adding them as well, a third-party interloper into everything that you do. That's yeah, that was my other question. Is there any downside? Is there any, you know, is there any I, I've never seen a downside from not inviting a government in as a third party to my contracts. So if you, like a, a, a marriage contract, right? They say, oh, you've got to get married. Well, when you get, go and ask them for a, you know, when you apply or beg them for permission to be married, a marriage license, okay, now they're saying, well, if you want to break this contract, you've got to come back through us. Right? For your divorce decree. Uh, so that, you know, the God of government can tell you that you're no longer obligated. Oh, well, I know. If I, that if I bypass, a, that whole thing well, if I bypass the government, you know, if I just bypass the government and make a private contract with the woman that I'm in love with, then what makes that less valid? You have a constitutional protected right to contract or not contract. Not that I use their rules and laws. You've got a God-given right to choose who you associate with and who you don't. So when you set up, you know, when you say, I'm going to get married, you know, all you're saying is I want to make a lifetime commitment with somebody that I love. Well, why do you need the government's permission to do that? What happens when that marriage fails and there's not agreement and, like, there Ah, are so many times? (laughs) You go back to the contract. In, in, in Judaism, in Judaism, it's called the ketubah, a contract, a marriage contract. And it's between God and the husband and the wife. That's it. Okay? So it's a, it's a contract. It's private. The, the government's not invited to the party. Okay? So you agree ahead of time. It's almost like a prenup. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, and a prenup is this is what's going to happen if it, if it ends. Uh, oh, that's a contract. so smart. Yeah. You know, but a contract, a marriage contract uh, between a husband and a wife would be no less uh, enforceable than if they were to get license from the government. Except you don't have to pay all these fees to make, you know, listen, this is what we decided when we got married and, you know, how we're going to live our lives together. And, you know, you you cover all the important parts of any contract, you know. Well, I, I, it's hard I, to it's hard to predict everything uh, beforehand, but but also there's that thing where the state cannot interfere with a contract between marriage partners. You know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, you've also well, they say that they say that okay, but you know they can they do have a say if you were licensed uh, if you were licensed to be married under the state they can say whether or not you're divorced, because what they're looking at are tax issues, how they're going to get paid, okay? And most people think about going into marriage, and it's, and it's horrible that they think about, well, now we can marry, you know, married filing jointly, and, you know, and they're, and they're all thinking about, well, they'll take less taxes, and if we have children, which are a product of the corporation or partnership that they license, because that's all a marriage license is, is a legal corporation called a partnership, okay? When you ask for to be married and ask for a license, it's no different than asking the Secretary of State 
to set up a new partnership uh, corporation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, if you have children, they are automatically a product of that corporation, incorporation, the, the partnership. Okay? So they have uh, something to say about that as well, which is why they can turn around and if you register them with the birth certificate, they can come in. I'll give you a real quick story. Um, I knew this lady once. Um, she had seven children, okay? And the neighbors heard her yelling and screaming at the kids one day. Uh, when you got seven kids, I'm sure that that uh, happens quite often, <laughs> you know. And uh, they called Child Protective Services on her, and they came, and the cops came, and they took all seven kids. Well. Six of those seven kids were born in hospitals and had birth certificates and social security numbers. Her seventh, their youngest one, did not. They came back, Child Protective Services brought that seventh kid back and said, this one doesn't belong to us. Yeah, I We have no say in what that child can do. I talked to a girl that's Muslim at a buffet we go to, and she's told me some of this stuff like she never let them uh, uh, do things in the hospital that they normally do and stuff like that. But sure. Oh, and they'll fight you all the way. They'll call the police. They may, you know, they don't want a slave getting away. They don't want a source of revenue getting away, you know. And, you know, and, and we've become such a, a, a nanny state, the whole world, uh, you know, under governments that, you know, people are so dependent on government benefits for everything that, yes, it's, you know. Yes, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening. It really is. Yeah. So, you know, if you receive the benefit, you got to pay the price, you know. And that's mm -hmm. the way that they look at that social contract. You know, I look if you at receive the benefit, all these you people, are. All these people no, on housing vouchers and all that. And sure. the, what they're, how much they're making in their job, it just does not add up. It just, nope. there's something not right. Now, if they know. can create a housing voucher, like Section 8 housing vouchers, <laughs> mm -hmm. is that any different than printing money out of nowhere, thin air? Not really. Because some, yeah. because some, but some government trustees said it was okay? <laughs> not really, not much difference. Well, there's no value in it other than the person that's receiving the check that they assume is, is money. And it's not real money. Fiat currency is not real money. Gold and silver is um, real money. That's intrinsic you said, value. You, you said that the Jew, Jewish, they don't get uh, marriage licenses from the government? Nope. Do, so they, no, they, do they, they just do what's called do a ketubah. They... It's a contract. And what about... Uh, what about like when they buy a house? Do they do they not do anything conventional like we're talking about? Well, I, I'll go through it. I'm never going to get married to the state. Well, that's again. It, it, everybody's got a choice to include the government as a third party in their life. We do I'm have just a choice. kind of wondering: Are there people that are a lot smarter about this than? than the rest, you know, I don't know. Well, if you take Edward, what, what Edward was talking about earlier, you know, when I go into court, the only thing I have in my hand is a Bible. I don't care about their paperwork. I really don't. Hallelujah. I, I, so when I go into a, a courtroom, I have the law that I am bound to, not their law. 
I walk into no, the but I think I think you have an awful lot of knowledge behind that Bible. <laughs> oh, it was funny. I, I went to court with my son, and I always wear a baseball hat in court, and I wear you know dungarees and a T-shirt. I, I'm not dressing up for their for their benefit. I, I'll go That's in there looking like is. I just walked in off the street. My friend came to court. My friend came to court with me, and my friend came to court with me, and he was dressed like that in a shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, really? Couldn't you have dressed up a little bit? You know. <laughs> well, I had a bailiff who I talked to all the time. I talked to this bailiff you know all what, the time. And... You know what he did? You know what he did the whole time? He he had a a tablet paper, and the whole time. Mm-hmm. He was writing in that tablet paper. <laughs> oh, I bet that made them super nervous. I know. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he was doing. And I thought about that <laughs> afterwards. I thought, you know what? That was kind of a smart thing to do, you know. <laughs> well, they told me. They, I always go in with the hat on. And they tell me, you know, I walked into this courtroom where my son was having a trial. And... Uh, I, I told, you know, I, I walk in with the hat, and we're sitting there in the audience waiting. And, um, you know, I get one guy comes in, tells me, take off the hat. I said, no. Uh, next thing I know, I've got 12 cops interrupting the courtroom trying to get me to take my hat off. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here, and I'm telling them, I tell them, no. I said, uh, unless you want to all be sued right here in open court, I'll bring, your, I'll bring a charge, I'll bring a claim that you are violating my right to religious freedom. This is a covering. And in, in Jewish religion, you know, you'll see everybody wearing a yarmulke, right? Well, uh-huh. that's a covering. It's there to, you know, as a reminder that God is above them, okay, is, is authority over them. So I wear a baseball hat. <laughs> now, these 12 cops don't know what to do at this point, you know, and they're, and they're literally getting ready to try and drag me out. And the judge now turns around and goes, why are you wearing a hat in my courtroom? I said, it's, this is a religious covering. And she didn't know what to do. And I know her, she, is, uh, she used to be a parole officer, has no legal experience whatsoever, and is a brand-new judge, elected. And <laughs> I literally, you know, I told her she didn't, even, she didn't even close the record. She got up, walked across the hall, and Googled religious covering. I said, if you don't understand it, then go and go and learn about it. But you're not going to get me to take this off unless you want to be party to a lawsuit. Yeah. So, so she turns she turns around and, and goes across the hall, starts googling it, comes back in and said, "Well, I I thought you're supposed to have a beanie." She she turned around and said, "Well, isn't it supposed to be a beanie?" I said, "It's whatever I decide it is." Because it's a reminder to me that God is an authority over me and not you. <laughs> and then she shut up and went along with, you know, when kept going along with her procedure and told the cops to leave me alone. <laughs> so so when, when, you, when you go in and... Go ahead, Linda. Sometime I'll have to tell you the rest of my code enforcement story, but... Um... You know, I've had I've had uh, somewhat some some relief, and I, you know, I would tell you about that, but I don't think we have enough time, do we? Or 
Well, I'm, uh, it's about 20 after 7 my time. Uh, I usually, I'll, I'll, I'll run it to 8 if I'm still talking with folks. So if you, you know, if you want to go into it, we can. Oh, okay. I, just real quick, um, you know, I kept, they kept dragging me into court. They kept dragging me into court so much that I couldn't get the work done. You know, and and then uh, they filed one case against me. Like I said, I filed a countersuit, and um, I appealed it, all that stuff, you know. And then they um, they filed another. They 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 found me guilty in that first one, and, but they kept saying this is what they kept saying to me: I was under abatement. This thing called abatement. So if yep. I abate the work, if I do the work, if I abate the work, then uh, this is what the prosecutor told me, that all charges, once I abated the work, he said this way it normally works, you know, you abate the work and they then, then they dismiss the charges. Well, they didn't have any clue what project this was, how big it was, whatever, you know. And right. the other thing I was dealing with was there was a severe shortage of labor, you were really, you could hardly get anybody to do anything, you know, because sure. they'd go work for the companies. They're not going to do little homeowner work. And sure. so there was that whole issue. And it was very, very difficult to do anything, you know. Yeah. So I was um, searching, like I said, I kept searching, searching for an answer. And um, uh, somebody with NLA recommended me to contact someone which I did and he told me that he told me he was an economist I don't know but uh, he what he told me to do he said go meet with the district supervisor and tell him you know what the what the story is and he said so there was another issue with trusses I'm not going to go into that I had to fix trusses and they wanted me, they kept telling me I had to get an engineer. Well, I couldn't get any engineer to come out here and do it, you know, because there again, it's a small job. They're not going to do that. And the right. engineers are scarce, and that's, they're just not going to do it. So they were setting me up for this mission impossible. And this went on for Which like is a why, year. Let me, just, let me just interrupt for a second. When Edward was talking about accommodation, yeah. They have to accommodate you. If it's a hardship, they're making a hardship on you. How is that, you know, I mean, that's violating your rights. Yeah, I finally started saying you. to them, I finally started saying that. I said, look, I said, I have been looking for an engineer. I've contacted all these engineers and all of And I said, in fact, I, and I filed this in a court paper. I said, in fact, two of them told me that I would not find anybody. And I said, is that uh, because it's... Um, because it's little money or because it's uh, too small of a job or for liability. And they said both. <laughs> it's, it's for both. Mm -hmm. So we had that issue. But, so I go, and he said, and, and then the second thing he told me to do was to meet with the county engineer. And, and he said, that's his job. He has to tell you how to fix this. You know, yeah. in other words, in other words, put the burden back they, on them. They like have to put, well, exactly. They have to provide the solution. They have yeah. to provide the solution. If they, if they can't expect you to do something and not provide you with the solution. So they have, yeah. they have the, 
county employees that are engineers that are paid by your tax dollars to do exactly what they were trying to get you to pay a private party for. I mean, I could go into that whole thing. The engineers knew long ago that all these codes they're putting into place are cost prohibitive mm -hmm. and that you can't yeah. even build a house, you know, with all these requirements. And they warned them. They warned them back then, you know. But, but anyway, okay, so I said, well, you know, I got off and I said, that's not going to work. I said, you know, <laughs> but anyway, I did it anyway. I took my friend who was a witness to most of this. He was here when they did the inspections and all this stuff. And um, so I go, I go to the county supervisor and I tell him the whole story, and I mean the whole story, that someone came in, busted up my trusses, um, that when the, the inspector came over here, uh, lo and behold, he just seemed to go straight for those trusses and say, these need to be fixed too. I didn't even know about it. And I looked up and I said, what? And he said, uh, and I saw, then I saw where they were, they were broken. Somebody had come in and busted up my trusses. And, wow. um, I have a good idea who it was, you know, but whatever. And uh, there, so during this time, I'm talking to this contractor, and come to find out, he lives next to the judge's father, and he mows his grass, and he does things for him, and he takes care Once of him. And, and yeah. And <laughs> so, so, um, so anyway, that's the tie-in. And uh, I'm just giving you a little idea of what I told the district supervisor. And, you know, so at the end of it, he says, I'm, I'm, I, we were there for an hour, you know. And the good part was my friend was a witness to all of that happening. So not only yeah. I said it, he said it too. Yeah. And so after, at the very end of it, he says, well, they work for me, you know, and he yeah. said he would take care of it. Now, I never heard from him again, okay. but the trajectory of everything changed. I mean, it just all of a sudden. All of a sudden they, they were helpful. Yeah, I went into court for that second case, and the thing with that was they had set it up. I had read the code, and I had read that on the second offense, in so many years, they can put you in jail. So they were setting me, this guy was setting me up for jail time, you know. Right. And uh, so I went in there, of course, you know, I even took, I listened to what, I, I took my jewelry off thinking I was going to be taken to jail. Expecting going to jail, yep. So, I mean, you can just imagine the, um, you know, the, oh, the stress, fear, stress. Emotional. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So well, um, it's, it's 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 stress because there's a fear of of being forced to comply in a contract that you know, and that's what all of this is. Is all of it is done by threats of force, force. It's a, it's an extortion racket at the highest level. Yeah, really and, and you're like you're like I haven't done anything wrong, you know. I've I've done these innocent things. 
maybe I didn't know any better, whatever, you know, I don't know. But oh, yeah. um, then they'll claim ignorance is an excuse. Like I said, I got <laughs> I got the permits. I thought I did everything that I thought was right, you know. So I go into court and um, uh, the there was a new guy. The same, the same, the same guy had, that had filed the charges against me was there every single time. Every Friday, he was there. This time when I went in, it was a different person. And I can't swear to it because I didn't hear 100% sure, but I thought I heard him say that that person is no longer with us. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, and to this day, I'm not sure. But See, I me have personally, checked... that my, my suit would have been with the person bringing the suit. I would have I would have went after them and said, "Hey, you're you know you're you're causing me hardship. That's a trespass against my rights, and you're doing this under color of law, and it's costing me oh, money." Yeah, I was considering a 1983. You know, and yeah, and you so really anyway, would have been justified in doing it. But what happened was they dismissed. He just stood up and they said, he said, we're dismissing this suit. And so all of a sudden it was dismissed. But now that actually presents a problem because I'm, I still have the original suit that says guilty, you know. Right. So well, you can I've go and have criminal... them reopen that. You can have them reopen it just like a bad judge. If a judge is found out to be a criminal or a cop is found out to be a criminal, all of their cases are open to review. All of their cases are open to review. Well, I don't know for a fact that he was. I don't know what happened to him, you know, really. But I know what he. I know. I know what I think he said that day. And not well, only can, that, you can do a Freedom of Information Act and request all that information. It's public. He's a public checked, employee. I've actually been checking since the first of the year, and he has not handled any cases. And what I'm thinking is that they got rid of him and that they were only like wrapping up the cases that he had, you know. Yeah, so well, um, they were wrapping them up by dismissing them. If if he yeah. if he's committed fraud, if if it was found out that he committed fraud, none of his cases would be valid. They'd all be open well, to review. Well, and here's he'd be, my he'd be able to get a trial de novo. Here's my thing. Um I, in the meantime, I've been trying to get the work done, okay? Um, right. I, you know, the problem, one of the problems is when I had to defend myself in this whole thing, it basically took two years out of my timeline, you know, because I was busy trying to defend myself. So right. I got back on, I got back on just trying to get the work done. I got a hold of a pretty good inspector. He says he has an old house like I do and all this, you know, and he's, he's pretty good about telling, telling you stuff and everything. So I've been able to finish everything on the list, except um, this last thing I did was siding, which you have to, you know, enclose the structure. And yeah. I only have, I only have two like really small areas of siding to do. That's it. And then I will schedule the final inspection and get it done. But so this is my thought process is that I would get the work done first and then 
see, I'm remembering what the prosecutor told me is that I'm under abatement, and if I get the work done, they'll dismiss the charges. That now yeah. that wasn't the judge; that was the prosecutor, and there were different. Right, but they already dismissed the second case, right? They already dismissed the second. They case. dismissed the second one, but they haven't dismissed the first one. It's still and open. So, so I was going to get the work done, get the final inspection, and go to the prosecutor and say. You know, he told me this. I was under abatement when I got the work done. They would dismiss the charges and see what they do. Then when okay, they don't... Okay, so that is an open case still. The first one's still an open case. Well, I don't I don't know because they talked about this whole abatement thing, and mm-hmm. I really just don't know. And, you know, quite honestly, they didn't seem to know. It was kind of like they were, with the abatement part of it, it was almost like they were making it up as they went along, you know? Oh, sure. And so I I really don't know, and, um, but but that was my, that's, that is or was my plan is. Abatement abatement is a lot of times, a lot of times abatement is used for public nuisance, like your grass is too tall. Okay. Yeah. And they say once you, you know, or vehicle issues, there, you know, your tail light is out. If you can come and prove that your tail light is currently working, we'll drop the charges. There, yeah, it's public nuisance stuff. When is it you used know? for building building code and uh, permits well, and everything? You know, that can take years. And so anyway, well, they're and saying, I'm they're not... saying the public nuisance is what it, you know the abatement is for public nuisance. And that could be anything. Somebody didn't like the way your house looked. <laughs> Seriously. But this, you know, this, or the, if they the thought labor. it was not up to code, if they thought that it was maybe didn't even bother checking of whether or not it was grandfathered in because of pre code. You know? I I also in frustration of not being able to get any change in this whole thing i also posted my whole story online um you know uh public notice just, yeah just public notice yep you know here's what's going on you know whatever so um hey, one time i had a stand. case in, in <laughs> i had a case in Mont- in uh, nevada once and uh, i went into to file papers into the file, and the lady at the at the desk, the clerk of the court, said, "I can't take these papers." She read them. She says, "I can't take them. I'll get in trouble." I said, "If you don't take them, you'll get in bigger trouble because that's, that's evidence." That's what I was thinking. And this right. is evidence in the case. They went, she says, uh, "I can't take it." I said, "Get me a manager. You know, get me a supervisor here now." I said, and the supervisor says, "I can't take it." The only one that could take this is the judge. I said, well, where is he? He's, and the, come to find out that the supervisor, the clerk, and the judge all had the same title. Public officer. That was it. They're not a judge, not a, you know, uh, court clerk. These were all just public officers, general run-of-the-mill, you know, people working in the office. And so I ended up, uh, instead of, you know, um, filing it into the file that day, I did put a copy on the public notice board at the courthouse. So they've been notified. And then when I went into the courtroom, 
the judge called the case. I said, I'm, uh, you know, I have a beneficial interest in this case, and I'm only here to serve you these documents. And uh, the judge goes, if you're not the person, you know, here for this case, and he started yelling at me, and this six foot eight, 300-plus-pound bailiff gets up and starts to walk toward me like he was going to throw me out of the courtroom or put his hands on me. And I put my hand up, like, stop, you know, and put my hand straight out with my hand up and said, stop. I said, in front of all these witnesses here, I'm giving you notice that if you put your hands on me, I'll consider it felony assault, and I'll defend myself with anything I got. He turned around to the judge and goes, I can't help you, and he went and sat back in the corner. And the judge took, you know, he had to take notice. He had to take notice of the document because I handed it to him in open you know, court with a bunch of witnesses. Now, you you are hitting the nail on the head. This is what happens so often is that they don't want knowledge. They don't want to, they want to be able to say, if anything comes next, down. Next. <laughs> next in yeah, line, if anything comes bill. down on this. They they want to be able to say I had I didn't know about it you know yep and oh, yeah. you can you can just see that goes on all the time and and they don't sign anything you know and notice um, notice all, an affidavit notice an affidavit a notice supporting an you know with an affidavit supporting it now they have to rebut the affidavit and they have to take notice they cannot claim that they were ignorant and they hate it yeah. They totally yeah, they, I've noticed that though. They try to get away with um you know, with that protection of being able to say um they didn't know about it, you know. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. Oh uh, it's, it's a pleasure having you on the show. <laughs> yeah, I Thanks didn't for I out. kind of I kind of monopolize I feel like I monopolized the um with my two little <laughs> cases. Uh well, it right tied into what we were talking about, you know, in the first segment about uh, about uh, social contract. And social contract is no different than any other contract. Show me the contract. That's your evidence. That's your proof. Show it to me with my signature. Because if it isn't on there, then we don't have a valid contract, and you can't claim that authority. You know? Well, I had, I'm going to have so to. bad here in Montana. I'll give you a little story. Here in Montana, they pulled me over, and they tried. They wrote me three tickets: driving with uh, uh, without a license, uh, no insurance, and no registration. Now, when the court papers showed up and I got discovery, I noticed a document in there that was from the Montana Department of Motor Vehicles, signed by the literally the the um, the, the department head, and she swore under oath and signed her seal and the sealed name stating that I had a suspended license in Montana. Well, I asked them to provide the application and a copy of my license that's suspended at this time. She committed fraud. She, she swore up and down that I had a license and it was suspended. I've never, ever even established residency in Montana, so I'm not even entitled to get a license in Montana. And I've been here seven years, almost eight years. This is what, you know what I call it? You know what I call it? I call it pyramid law. Because what they do is they fabricate this thing and then they just start building on it. And the fabrication fabrication gets buried 
you know nobody ever goes back and looks at that and 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 then then they build this whole case that's what they're doing to thomas really i mean i have i have my own term i call it i call it pyramid law because they're um they're just Doing a fraud, it's like literally, say, it's a fraud. literally a racketeering uh, organization. Government itself is a racketeering organization. Uh, it's a, it, it, it's easily proved if you look at the RICO laws. Okay, very easily to prove, especially within a small town or a small city, uh, the racketeering because it is a conspiracy. Uh, there's multiple but you people know, involved. Things, things have gotten. I, I saw it, like I said, working in the government, because I used mm-hmm. to work with people that were really public servants, you know. They weren't yeah. filled with greed or any of that stuff, you know. And then they started that whole thing of contracting out, you know. Mm-hmm. And that and that invited the, all the corporations in, you know. And that's when you saw a change is... Well, it's profit-driven you know, profit now. It's total profit. It's always been profit-driven. But it not really like has this. been all profit-driven. Well, now it's becoming very obvious because information is out there that literally explains and, and, and very blatantly shows the fraud. You know, if yeah. you're dealing with a corporation, okay, if I want to go and deal with IBM, and I get a hold of IBM and I talk to IBM and we go into a contract together, right? Um no problem, okay? I didn't hold a gun to somebody's head at IBM and say, you have to do business with me, and you have to do business with me the way I decide business is going to be done, and you're going to do it or I'm going to put you in a cage, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but that's how the government operates. They, they are a racketeering firm, uh, you know, yeah, with an iron fist that comes around and says, hey, you know, they're going to call you a criminal because, uh, you know, uh, you didn't put your siding up yet. You know, or you didn't mow your lawn, or you know, you were driving too slow. You know, it's just, this, these... it's just this huge money laundering extortion racket, racket. now. You know, it's exactly we don't have a is. government. We do not have a government. No, that's another thing. And that's another thing. Is <clears throat> excuse me, I'm. Did we got change of weather here? My throat is. Anyway, oh, we got um, snow today. <laughs> oh my gosh! Don't tell me that. <laughs> oh yeah, we got. Well, but anyway, we gone, but <laughs> what I say is the people do not have a voice. We do not have a voice. Period. And that that really needs to change, you know. Well, who's supposed to be the voice in their system? It's supposed to be your representative, right? No, <laughs> your, is, is their voice to them? <laughs> Right? I'm saying, when you think about my their voice system. Is, my voice should be my voice, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because I, and my voice is my voice. I do not have a representative. And I wasn't represented when the r- rules were made. So they do not pertain to me. And I could prove it. You know? You said, and I you said Montana. It. You said Montana, though, isn't, I can just imagine, I've heard a lot out of Montana. And it is one of the most corrupt is, states in the country. Well, I think there's a lot. A lot of people have been moving up there because the land is, um, you know, there's land. Sure, there's lots of land. I think that we've only um, got a million people in the whole state. There's just a clash of the people that the peaceful people or whatever that have lived there for ever, and then these 
you know, the people that are moving in. Uh, well, we get people know. from California, you know, that, that want all these environmental laws pushed on us now. And they get, you know, they get into to government to push people around to do what they want them to do. You know. Yeah, I follow. That's, that's the whole follow point that, of it. Did you follow that story about that pond, the guy that built the ponds? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, and they, yeah, and his own property. Yeah, he ended up passing away. So sad. He, he, yeah. They want, um, I think they were, then they went, they, afterward, he passed away, and then they w- were going after his widow, but they decided in her favor or something. But, you know, he was never around to see that. I mean. Sure, it's not, it's not a very nice public image to go after a grieving widow. Yeah, that's you what know. they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they'll drop it, and, disgusting. you know, it's like the Epstein case. They don't want all the fallout, so they just brushed it under the carpet and told the media, do not discuss this anymore. Yeah. You know? Because it's going to come out. I mean, if it does, I mean, they just it just came out, I think, yesterday or the day before, that uh, um, Bill Gates and somebody else was staying at his, one of his properties <laughs> when he when they came to town. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, I yeah, um yeah. after this I mean, after this happened you to me all with, those, those things coming out in the open. After this happened to me with code enforcement, I created a page that on Facebook. It's called uh, Code Enforcement Wall of Shame, and oh, I, I have re- huh. I love it. That's great. Yeah, and I have relentlessly, and I'm not kidding, relentlessly posted stories, um, of, you know, of code enforcement, of course, but others related, like uh, like a lot of the seizure stuff and, um, you know. It's, it's all administrative law. It's all code enforcement, yeah. And most people don't realize that it's all code enforcement. You know, these are not laws. These are administrative codes um, you know, with administrative agencies. All of these are administrative agencies. There is no three, you know, there is no checks and balances because every administrative agency is under the executive branch. So when you walk yeah. in and you have a judge that's operating as an administrative minister, uh, you know, in an administrative, in a ministerial position that works for the, the, the plaintiff, so they're getting paid by the plaintiff, the prosecutor is getting paid by the plaintiff, and the and the and the officer is getting paid by the plaintiff. You know, and it seems you know to everybody who doesn't know that they're all under executive uh, branch, operating under administrative procedure. Uh, they think that you've got the judge who would be the judicial branch, the lawyer would be the legislative branch, and the enforcement branch. You know. Uh, you've got through the police, the executive branch, but that's not what's going on. All three are executive branch employees operating under yeah. the executive branch through, you know, uh, procedure, you know, through administrative procedures. So you're not and getting you any, it. any protection. You can see it. The, like the, the sheriffs are supposed to be for the people, but you go to court and you can just see they're in bed with the, with the judges and the, you know, I've gone through Missoula in, in Montana here is very small. The federal judges all hang out with the state judges and the county judges and the cops and the FBI uh, 
um, receptionist that answers the phone is married to one of the sheriff deputies, and there's so yeah. much commingling of of these. Mm-hmm. You know, I called up to to report a federal crime being committed, and the lady laughed at me when I said it was by the sheriff, and hung up. Now she's automatically her job is to accept you know um, whatever is there, not to be judge over it, right. and, and set it up for an investigation. Send out a federal agent. Send out a uh, you know an FBI agent or a or a uh, uh, U.S. marshal or somebody to then you investigate got, the complaint. Then you got that these people. Um... They don't know their jobs. They don't know their limits. They don't know their authority. You know, yeah. they're just, just, it, you know, it's just well, they're indoctrinated. Terrible. Yeah, it's indoctrination. Well, I know. They believe that they're in the right. I've had cops tell me, well, I'm the law. Really? <laughs> you know, they tell you, you're, you know, if you hear a cop say, well, I'm the law, boy, that's way outside their jurisdiction. That's that's way outside but their authority. But you know, if those of us who can look back to a time when it was still like this, but it wasn't out of control like it is now, you know, yeah. it wasn't the police state type of thing that it is now. Yeah. It was, you know, like I said, that was back. You didn't need to know all this because there wasn't a whole lot yeah, of abuse. common knowledge. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of abuse and tyranny going on, you know. And yeah. now it just seems like if they were, it was yeah. less less noticed. <laughs> it was more behind closed doors instead of all over the internet. Well, maybe, but um, well, I, rem- I remember like the sheriff where I grew up is still the sheriff there now. As corrupt as they get, has always been that way. <laughs> and, but he's still there. And, you know, his son is now a lieutenant, and, you know, the, 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 the old boys' network goes on and on. And that's in New York, okay? That's not a small town or a small city. This is in New York, you know. The, the county had millions of people in it. It's not, you know, a small area. But this guy wins every time. <laughs> Nobody wants to run against him because there's no different than the mob. You yeah, know? that's that's kind of the way it that's kind of the way it is here. But fa- finally, some of them are retiring. You know, so that's kind of a good thing. But, yeah, as long as they don't will their position to their their offspring, who are also right. indoctrinated into thinking that they are, you know, the gods, uh, you know, gods enforcers. You know, it's no different than than the Crusades. These people are going out and they think they they take. <clears throat> Politicians' words is gospel, mm-hmm. you know, and and they don't think for themselves. They're order followers. They're not order questioners, and that's why they hire these people that have half a brain to do the job. You know, I do feel like though, um, basically, knowledge is power, and if power is being, if knowledge is being disseminated to the people, that. Um, they can't get away with a lot of this stuff now. And I, I think um, I'm also tuned into a lot of the judicial reform groups. And, right. um, you know, you see cracks. You see cracks in the, you know, that how much longer is this charade or whatever going to be able to hold up because... 
Well, that's why they're pushing for for crazy gun laws and gun uh, confiscation, and because they know they only have a very, very, very short time to stay in these positions before somebody or some group of people go, I've had enough, go in and 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 forcefully take them out. You well, know, and it's a shame. I, I I've always said, you know, there's a peaceful way to do this, and the peaceful way is to opt out and know how to protect your rights. And that's what I've been doing for a long well, time. You know, I don't mind I'm the definitely, fight. I'm definitely going to look into that. But um, how many, you know, the percentage of the people that know to do that or even know anything about it, I would say it's like only like 10%, wouldn't you? I would even say it's less than that. I'd say it's less yeah. than that. But, you know, it is getting out there, and I see it on the Internet. I see a lot of people woken up and just sharing it left and right. And that's, you know, I mean, again, if you found out, if you thought that the, 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 the dollars in your pocket were money your whole life, you were taught that that was money, and somebody came and told you that it's worthless pieces of paper, like you look at uh, um, uh, what is the Venezuela, where all that paper was laying all over the ground, People were throwing mm-hmm. it away. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's paper. It's, there's no intrinsic value, and it's not backed by go, uh, gold or silver where it would be backed by value. It's backed by the full faith and, and blah, blah, blah of the bankrupt federal government. So when you find out that your money isn't worth anything and the only thing you've got going for you is that uh, so many other people are blind to it and still accept it as payment, you know, if tomorrow the banks close their doors and the, and the Fed stop printing it, where where are they? Back in 1920s, you know. Yeah, I think people people do worry about that because of the debt is trillions of dollars now, and uh, sure. it's you think well how you know just just uh, by nature you know you think uh, this can't go on forever you know. Just keep yeah. going up and up and up. Well, There's it's gone on a... way longer than most of the most of the. Um, uh, I was what is, um, <laughs> imperialistic, um, you know, governments of the past. Look at the Roman Empire; it fell. Look at Babylon; it fell. All these places that were, you know, had these same types of laws all fell. All the governments have fallen. Russia, you know, communists, socialists, whatever. They fall, and this one's gone on way longer than it should have, you know, except Um, people have gotten complacent. One of the things I try to, one of the things I stay involved in is is getting cameras in every courtroom in the hopes that a lot of this horseplay that goes on. Well, I always bring a camera. (laughs) Even if I'm not filming it, I'm I'm recording it. We're not allowed to bring anything, a cell phone, or if you bring, uh. if you have a cell phone, <laughs> you are turned away. You are turned away, and you have to go back to your car. If you forget, you still you have to, phone. yes, but you still have to defend your right to film uh, anything in the public. And it's a public courtroom. It is a public trial, and there is no way that you're going to keep me from documenting what's going on in here that's going on to me. Because that's you the only one that's protecting... You won't get in there. You, you will not oh, get, in get in there, and you will... I get those in. Sheriffs, <laughs> those sheriffs, two or three of them, 
are standing right there, uh, right there at the door where they scan everything before you come in, and you will not get in. Oh, well, then if I'm not allowed in, then why am I being summoned there? And if I'm going in, I am going to protect myself with the video of what's going on. I'm just telling you how it is here, and this is 20 minutes out from D.C., you know. Oh, I know. I went into the federal court. I went into the uh, to the federal court um, here, and, and I do not have a valid government identification. I don't have one. Will not have one. Um, I had an expired. I had an expired. They said we can't let you in the building. I says I have a I have a right to come in the building and file my suit. You know, and they you know we had a big issue with the U.S. Marshals. And they told me, well, we'll give you permission to go in this time and while this case is going on. Well, you're damn right, because I have a right to file a grievance, you know. They can't stop me from going in to do it. You know, that's like a cop coming out, punching me in the nose for no reason, running back in the door, and then, you know, having ten guys tell me. (laughs) Well, I do admire... I do admire and support a lot of the uh, journalists, activists, you know, that are filming and do the First Amendment, uh, Audits, First yeah. Amendment uh, videos or whatever. Uh, thank God hmm. for them, you know. I mean, well, and they're going through oh, a lot of trouble because a lot of them don't know the laws either, you know, and they're basing this on the constitutional right that doesn't exist. You don't That's have true, constitutional rights. You do not have constitutional rights. The government had a charter to protect the rights of the people. That was it. And look at the monstrosity that, you know, uh, minarchist uh, document turned into, this monster that we have today. You know, whose, whose rights are being protected? Politicians, cops and judges, that's it. And if you're lucky, you know, you have a case where you actually were the victim or you, you know, or you know, uh, somebody else was the victim and you're dealing, you know, with two individuals, that can be dealt with. How do you deal with Tinkerbell? How do you deal with fiction? I treat it like it doesn't exist because it doesn't. You know, I laugh at it. I I enjoy my time there. I'll go through the act. But in the end, you know, (laughs) this is all a fiction and and I'm going to call you on your fraud. I always ask, you know, and I, I've tried so many times. They do not want me to go to a trial. They don't want me to educate people in the courtroom. So, you know, they will drag it out, drag it out, drag it out. And the week of the trial, they'll, you know, they'll discharge all the, all the charges against me. <laughs> Most people, though, can't just unplug, like you said, no ID. Um, there's so many thing, places you need it, you know, that... I don't know. It would just be a pretty big effort to. Well, am I not who I say I am? I'm who I say I am. Okay. Just like you're who you say you are. When you go go in there. you, You might be ethical and honest, but the next person, you know, and that's what some of what they're dealing with. I'm, here I am. You still have to deal I'm with not, it on a case-by-case basis. It can't be generalized. If you generalize it, that's what causes, you know, genocides and, and, and holocausts. 
they're generalized into a category. Oh, well, you know, I mean, think about it. You were talking about you dealing with the homeless a lot, and a lot of those folks do not have birth certificates and IDs. So now you're ostracizing an entire uh, group of people, and that's a huge group these days. Well, I know they have to come up with them if they want to get assistance, you know. Or yeah, well, again, that's government that. assistance and going back to the benefits. If you're taking the benefits, then you have a responsibility to follow the rules of getting them. You know, you can't live in you, – you can't be in Babylon, okay, and out of Babylon. You can't, you know, you can't go in at will and say, hey, you know, I want these well, benefits. And most of those people, it, it, it's – it's, for the most part, it's it's substance abuse related, you know. So, sure, sure. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to set up are... a um, <laughs> I wanted to set up a, a a very large off grid community uh, and tell the state that oh. uh, you know it'll be a private trust and I'll take all of the people off of your homeless rolls <laughs> and I'll give them jobs and a piece of property that they can that, that they can call their own and trust. I followed followed that whole off-grid California um, where they were running running them off their properties and everything. That was a a horrible thing. Oh, sure, because they don't want you to be disconnected. They don't want you to opt out. They they, they want you to be an earner, nothing more than, than a consumer and an earner for them. You know, they don't get paid if you don't pay them. So if everybody just said, you know what, we're not paying your taxes, we're not paying your fees, we're not paying your fines, we don't want anything to do with you, so you guys got all fend for yourself now. Well, I think that's <laughs> they'd the start a war tomorrow have, with the if military. they don't have enough earners. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you know what, I always wondered, and, and this has always been an interesting question. We'll wrap up, but you know, if they can print money at will, why do they need your tax dollars? I don't know. I just don't get that whole. And you know what I feel about it? Even about the debt? Eh, no big deal, you know. The somehow that's a con- that yeah, right. That's a country thing, country to country, and it's all worked out on that playing field and nobody you know I'd like to liquid, I'd a, like to liquidate all government employees. Uh, you know, all government positions, liquidate them all, and the debt would be gone. Give it back to the people because that's who they really stole it from. <laughs> you know, every dime that they've spent was stolen from the people. They don't produce anything, no value in anything. They extort. Well, you got, that's it. You got, too, you got too many people living off of it now, though, to ever yeah. hope to do anything Too big like to that. fail. Too big to fail. Well, too big to fail always collapses in the long run, you know? If you keep piling it up, piling it up, piling it up, it's going to collapse. You know, right now it's too big to fail. If we stop loading onto it, it'll stop working, but it'll eventually collapse just like Rome and every other, you know, empire before it. So, but anyway, I, it was it was really great having you on the show, and I appreciate you coming yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was been a very else? interesting. Uh, like I said, I'll have to go back and listen. I'd listened to your first. I was trying to catch up because I I couldn't figure out how to get on. I tried the first <laughs> couple times around, 
and I couldn't, I couldn't get access. You were having trying reason. to go on with Anchor. Yeah, I was having a problem with Anchor. Yeah, um, yeah And I'm going to try saying. and I'm hoping they're working it out because I have. Uh, it's it's a great platform, but they were having issues with being able to have others join into the call, and I, I'm still not sure they've worked out that issue. But I am eventually hoping to go on there because it is a good platform. They 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 offer a lot. They so what I do now is I record this call and I'll upload it to Anchor and then it goes out to iTunes and all the different uh, podcast platforms. So you know it can be listened in a lot of different places. But um, you know in the meantime, I know I have to NLA use, uh, this call number. NLA has Spreaker. Uh, another issue I might have is uh, my um, my my provider charges me for conference calls. Um, right. Now I, I was with another provider and they didn't charge, but yeah, I this, only is, get... this is still a free free provider. Um, Linda, I have to actually go. My mother's calling. Oh, me. okay. She's in Florida, right. so she's calling me late. So I'm thinking there's something might be wrong here. But I do appreciate okay, well, you coming on the show. Yep. And, you have uh, a good week. Feel and, free to uh, tune in on Sundays. You're always welcome. And uh, thank you. Share it with uh, your friends and. Uh, I just want to say to everybody out there, (laughs) thank you for listening and uh, joining on on the show. And uh, if I'm a help, please feel free to donate to keep the show going. Linda, thank you again very much. And uh, feel free to text me or, you know, uh, call anytime. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Good night. Good night.